This is HPR episode 2835 entitled HPRNYE Show 2018-2019 Part 2. It is hosted by Honky Magu and is about 151 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is the HPR community comes together to say Happy New Year and chat. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. I was about to say hello to audio, but uh, I guess you moved out. Yeah, I got to step away for a bit because I got to go do this work. So uh, it was good talking to you guys. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you in a little bit. Okay, take it easy. I'm, I'm going to be on and off through the day probably. Yeah, me too. I stepped away, and then you guys started talking about Brexit. I thought, you know, I would jump in on that. But, uh, you know, I still need to do breakfast and whatever. Is there anybody else going to be on? I'm, this is Mongo. Uh, is anybody else going to be on right now? Well, Dan could tell you that, uh, oh, Claudio's back. Uh, around, uh, 12 noon, uh, Eastern Standard Time, all the Tilts guys were going to jump in. Uh, hello, Claudio. Claudio may be having, uh, problems setting it up like I did. Go for it. Hey, everybody, can you hear me? Loud and clear. Not blowing anyone's ears out? <laughs> no, not at all. I, you know, everybody had me uh, move mine to 100%, so, which, you know, usually is way too much, new new provider, so we'll, you know, uh, I guess I was low all morning. Well, I have it at 70%. I figured, let me just turn it down just in case, because I remember the first time I tried this, and, oh, boy, did I blow everyone's ears out. But I had a much different phone right now. Um, right now, uh, well, last year I had my Nexus 4, which did okay. Um, and this this year, uh, I'm ending it off with a OnePlus 6T. Well, it's always an experiment to get the sweet spot. Yeah, I know. So that's why I figured, let me start low. If, if my voice is too low, at least, uh, you know, <laughs> it's better that way than blowing everyone's ears out. Yeah, well, it uh, looks like it's working out for you. Sweet, sweet. So, how's uh, how's the weather over uh, where you all are? Well, I'm, Kansas, it's been. Guess I'll go first. Kansas has been really mild. I mean, I'm I'm kind of afraid because uh, you have a mild winter, and then and then the uh, week gets ahead of itself, and then it gets froze out in the spring. Well, I don't know anything about that freezing stuff. Uh, I'm in South Texas, and uh, it doesn't really much freeze here. Uh, right now it's drizzly rain, and uh, I've been doing that for a couple of days, which is normal winter. And it's oh my goodness, it's 48 degrees. It's actually quite cold. Yeah, I'm here in Miami, so if there's a nice breeze blowing. Uh, it's like a partly cloudy day, I guess. I'm sitting outside. Uh, let's just say it's really nice to sit out here, and uh, 
you know, have a nice cup of coffee, which I should be making right now, but I figured, I just found out, I was on Mastodon, well, I'm on Mastodon now, but, uh, who was it, Cobra 2, uh, had mentioned that the stream was already on, uh, this was maybe about 15, 20 minutes ago, and I was like, oh, I better jump on quick. I think it's been on for about four hours. Oh, for some reason I thought it was going to be later, I don't know, this whole, especially at this hour, just getting up a little bit ago. Uh, you know, trying to convert UTC and, and all that. I'm not in the mood. <laughs> I know it's only five hour difference, but still. Well, the thing well, is, they start it up when, um, it becomes, uh, New Year's Day on the international dateline, which is like out in the middle of the Pacific somewhere around, I don't know, Micronesia or Easter Island or something, and then heads west around the world. So that's not that far from us in that direction. So, um, that's a long ways from uh, GMT or whatever they call it. Well, so far I've been on since almost the beginning, and uh, yeah, we've had a discussion going the whole time so far. I'm not going to say it's going to, you know, this is the first time in a couple years that it has been on a uh, day. I'm not going to say there won't be any. You know, uh, silences or what, or, or whatever, but, uh, a few of us jumped in early and, uh, kept it going pretty good. Oh, that's good to hear. And, uh, I was up, uh, I was up until maybe about two in the morning. Uh, I was just messing around with, uh, a NetBSD, uh, VM that I had. I uh, hadn't touched in a while, so I was like, I figured that fire it up, just kind of play around with that before, uh, getting some shut eye. Um, but, uh, yeah, I woke up about 20 minutes ago, so right now it's uh, my stomach's asking me for coffee, <laughs> but it's going to have to wait just a little bit. Uh, yeah, and I figured it's, it is a work day. It is, uh, you know, we're talking a Monday here. Uh, so a lot of people surely are at work like you said, it's going to be a lot of silence. So maybe it won't be as long. I mean, I'm sure it'll be long, but maybe it won't be as long as, uh, the last, last year. I think a lot of people probably work short days on uh, New Year's Eve. A lot of people take off New Year's Eve, especially New Year's Day being Tuesday. They're going to get off tomorrow, so they'll just blow off Monday. If their company doesn't give it to them, they'll take a vacation day or something. My wife said that almost nobody will be at her job, so she may take off around noon, 1 o'clock. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt that at all. Uh, right now there's barely, I barely hear any traffic right now because, uh, where I'm at, it's right near, uh, Main Street here. So I barely hear cars going by. Usually it's, it's, you know, it's this loud rumbling noise of cars just driving back and forth, so. Well, I'm too old to work, so. I'm, I'm at home. No, I've been at home for the, uh, past week. Uh, we've had, um, since I work for our school district here, uh, we have a winter recess, so it's pretty much two weeks off. So I start back on Monday. Uh, do you get all the school holidays? Well, I'm a, a full-time, uh, roughly 12-month employee. So yeah, we get. Well, we don't do the summers because that's really when we do most of our stuff. Since I work for the uh, the IT department, uh, that's when we do most of our uh, big projects. I've got a friend that uh, does. Uh, does that for a college and uh, does IT for a college and or he, he did I think he's uh, doing it for he's he's changed what he does it he does it at a, at a level that doesn't involve students but when he was doing the student thing it was always cycled in he was full time employee but it was 
you know, uh, the, the rush to get everything ready and blow away a couple hundred lab machines and reset, you know, rebuild them, uh, and, uh, make sure everything was cleaned up at the end of the semester, getting rid of old accounts and stuff like that. So, you know, a lot of work to do on, on a specific cycle, uh, and then keep everything working, uh, you know, during, during this, the sessions. Correct. Yeah. For us, it's usually, uh, the summer break. That's when we've got tons of projects going on and internal projects for us at the, at our, the schools that we maintain along with district projects that we have for district devices and it gets pretty busy. <laughs> and on top of that, doing all of that with custodians cleaning and everything, which is an issue that we have, um, where the custodians have to disconnect the equipment in order to clean properly. So like towards the last few weeks, we're usually just plugging everything back in. So, and that's it. That, to be honest, that's the easiest part of everything. Unless they really, you know, unless you get someone that actually unplugs absolutely everything, like even the monitor cables and everything, that's where it gets a little, uh, a little problematic. But uh, so far, there's been few and far in between. So, but uh, yeah, with those, once we have those last two weeks, it's pretty much that. But before that, it's all you know, redoing all the district machines, uh, redoing all our, in, you know, the the inside school desktops and, and laptops if they have any. So it's quite busy. So we have, you know, we have tools that we use for that, obviously, um, as I'm sure he does. But it, uh, it, it is our most busiest time is the summertime when everybody's gone. Uh, during, and, and yeah, during the, the main school year, we're just maintaining everything and just making sure everything's good for test, for, uh, any kind of computer based testing. Um, yeah. I always had the same problem when I uh, worked for school districts is you you would come back in the fall and every computer would be sitting out in the hallway and I'd be like, really? What, is that actually necessary? I mean, to some degree, it, I guess it is, and to some degree it isn't. <laughs> but, you know, I understand they've got the deadlines they got to meet and, they you know, they have uh, things they got to do just like we do, so... I work with them, they work with me, uh, so we kind of got a good relationship going, and, and we try and coordinate things together so we got everything good to go before the, the uh, school year starts. The one thing was, you know, every teacher wanted to pick out her corner of the uh, uh, of the classroom, and, and there were corners of the classroom that were wired up for Ethernet and for power and whatever, and the teacher invariably would say, yeah, I want to do that obstacle. Oh, don't get me started on that. You, oh, my goodness. The minute you mentioned that, my reaction was I, I almost flipped the table <laughs> out here. <laughs> oh, no, I've had, uh, just, to, just to give you an example, I actually had one teacher want to put her computer in almost the center of the room. I'm like, well... Good luck doing that because there's no way we're going to be running any cable across the room that way. So you're going to have to pick the corner that has all the drops. You just got a cold heart. No, it's just uh, years of experience, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. The years of experience has kind of hardened my heart a bit. Just call me the bastard operator from hell, I guess. Uh, that teacher like the theater in the round uh, uh, scenario. Well, I do have to say, as 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 much as they drive me crazy, you know, they're all good. But I love them. It's kind of like a you know a parent with their kids. They, they'll drive you crazy, but you you still love them. <laughs> yeah, we had a whole 
whole bunch of those uh, rubber covers or what you run across the room and put a power cable and Ethernet cable in. Is yeah, I even had fifty. Are you cracking up for me? or Are you cracking up for everybody? Everybody. Yeah, I'm hearing them cracking up too. Oh, sorry about that. No, it was fine earlier on, but uh, your ISP must have heard you praising them and decided to lower your bandwidth or something. Is that Ken Fallon? It is indeed. I'm back from shopping. How are you, Claudia? I'm good, I'm good. Enjoying, uh, well, what looked like a nice day and all of a sudden got really cloudy. So it's, it might look like some rain here. Just come back from doing some shopping and yeah, it's nice out. Yeah, I just woke up about half an hour ago. I was talking to the fellas here, so I uh, found out from Cobra Two that uh, that the recording was already on, uh, and were telling me that yeah, it's been on for a while. Yeah, Fast.com is telling me just hey, Fast.com tells me I'm getting three point two pound. Be enough for Bumble. Yeah, something's going on because you were jumbled there. Sorry about that. I uh, got a little too comfortable and walked away a little too far from the Wi-Fi signal. Let me stop my download and uh, rejoin. See if that does any good. Can you hear me? Yeah, no problem. Excellent. So what have you been up to this year? Me just uh, just trying to keep my head together. <laughs> and uh, no, just kind of mess around with different uh, little mini projects. And I guess... Uh, Kind of getting things ready for next year when uh, when we all get uh, prepared for uh, computer based testing at the at work. You are the kids. Well, uh, kind of both because uh, I got to make sure everything's uh, ready to go and the kids because they need to take it. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much that. Uh, I guess that explains. That's why they gave us the two uh, the two weeks off. <laughs> so because we're I'm on room to recess right now. So and I start back up. I've been off last week. And I start up on Monday. Yeah, okay. My wife's in teaching now, so it's handy to have the time off, but then you're kind of stuck with the school holidays. Yeah. The No, the nice thing about us is that we, we kind of follow along with that, except for the summers, uh, which I was explaining earlier that uh, usually that's when we do most of our work. Cool. I might consider working if I could work just, just in the summers. Uh, that might be a possibility. Uh, it might be just a matter of looking around, or you know, probably like a, like a part-time kind of assistance, even through during the year. Just kidding! I'm not going to work. Oh, well, <laughs> all right then. <laughs> I quit and rejoined. Is that any better at all? Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, you sound good. I have to remember to do that every few uh, hours. Fifty. What kind of connection uh, are you using? I'm actually on a brand new uh, ISP called uh, BlazingHog.com. they giving you better speeds than before? Because I know that was an issue uh, for you in your area. Slightly better, but not what they promised. They're supposed to be like uh, 3 megabits down. So I think I'll... Uh, it, it's on a 4G uh, uh, you know, network net, or... Uh, uh, cellular connection, so, uh, my neighbors, they, they got on and they, they had, uh, invest in, uh, better antennas from Amazon, so it looks like that's what I'm gonna have to do. Yeah, usually, I mean, the, the, was it like a hotspot, correct? Exactly, exactly, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I was hoping since I know that I have a, uh, you know, a, a wireless tower 
less than a mile south of me, I, I figure I was hoping I wouldn't have to have any augmentation. Yeah, well, I, I figure maybe there's some environmental uh, issues causing that as well. I would, I, you know, I, I figure the this the you know the the whatever effects isn't that much different from you know wireless land connection. You know, there's always environmental issues that cause uh, interference. Yeah, no doubt. But I have to say, for the most part, because I have, like for my phone, I have unlimited, and I'll usually uh, set it as a hotspot. Um, and it, it, I haven't gotten throttled or anything, so I'm paying the actual, actual unlimited. Um, and I've connected my laptop a couple of times before I actually got Comcast here. And I have to say, I was pretty impressed. I, I mean, obviously, I wasn't going to expect Comcast speeds or, you know, actual, like, you know, home ISP speeds, but, uh, but you know, it's not too bad. It actually does the job. Well, this is supposed to be AT&T Unlimited. Gotcha. Well, again, it could be just environmental issues that maybe an antenna will, you know, will will re- resolve most of them. No, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Uh, that's one of the tasks for today is call them up and say, okay, yeah, it's not, it's not doing uh, what you promised. Okay, uh, what do I need to buy? Right, right. Well, good morning, Kay Wisher. I see that you were... Uh, uh, greeting us all through the chat room. Hey, Kevin. And you're a gummy. Alright, well, fellas, I'm gonna drop off for a bit so I can get some breakfast. Nice to chat. See you next year. <laughs> well, I'll be back before then, unless it's next year for some other time zone. Uh, probably be off doing family stuff, so. Alright, well, if I don't catch any of you, have a happy, happy new year. Same to you. Well, hanging out, I'm already having a happy new year, so. You know, people ask me, uh, you know, why you go online instead of hanging out at parties? Well, I'm not getting invited to too many parties, but even so, you know, I, I'm hanging out where my friends are. Yeah, exactly. That's why I like the New Year show. I'm able to chat with people. Well, less and less. You know, you talk to people who are not techs, you know, and they, are, they understand. Uh, yeah, l- a lot of people that are my friends I've not actually met in physical life. Yeah, yeah, yes, I know the feeling, yeah. and possibly may never meet them due to them being on the other side of the planet. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you were talking about earlier, you know, going to historical sites, and it's like, yeah, on your side of the planet, there's a lot more history to go. And, uh, you know, I, I, I do follow some people on YouTube who will go to pl- a lot of places in the U.S., but uh, one one guy who has met someone who has the juice, yeah, a couple times a year, uh, you know, come over to Europe and, and look at stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I am completely waiting for uh, beaming technology work. I just walk through and be over there. Yeah, that would be handy, wouldn't it? And the social change that that would bring, just being able to do something like that. Well, that's... Um brings up the the thing if you have a problem with the the uh Star Trek idea where it creates a new you at the other part but it kills the one in the in the uh, uh the transporter on your the the starting end yeah exactly yeah it's it very scary if you uh think about it too much I don't know why I never thought about that. Uh, oh, wait, I'm not a philosopher. That's the reason I never thought about that when I was a kid watching those uh, <laughs> Star Trek things. But now people talk about those things. I say, man, that's creepy. 
Exactly. Probably the thick of the story was Asimov, but there was there was exactly like that it was like kind of video game thing that they kept killing the duplicates. Is I like uh, that? Unless they did. Go ahead. You probably know what it is. No, you're Zyloning again. Sorry. No, just saying. Stop torrenting. I'm not running anything to uh, mumble right now. I have no idea what it is. It was fine all morning. Did your neighbors start uh, waking up or something? Could be. Let me uh, up off and restart again. Hey, Ken, I was thinking that um, since uh, you're on all the time and, and you have all these, uh, like... Uh, He's saying friends everywhere in the world uh, that you've never met. Uh, when you do travel, if you announce it ahead of time, you probably don't buy beer at all when you go somewhere, do you? Um, I'm not that famous. Uh, yes, I buy my own beer. No, I haven't been, uh, I haven't been to the States since I kind of got into podcasting. So, uh, I used to be over very regularly every three months for a few weeks. And, uh, now not so much. What did you come over here for back then? I was uh, infrastructure manager for uh, manage the IT for a multinational um, uh, all across Europe, and then when uh, we had basically the same size of teams in the US and then uh, Ireland, so we used to go over and coordinate every few months. That's um, that's pretty cool because it get you work. Somebody else pays for your international travel, and you get to see see cool places, and uh, then you meet the people you talk to on the phone every day. Yeah, it's excellent. It was excellent, and the fact was not lost to me at the time either. I work for a, a NASA contractor in uh, here in uh, Houston, and uh, I travel to Florida on a regular basis. So I mean, that was the extent of my uh, company. Uh, financed uh, travel except for maybe occasional class or something. That was always nice. And then I used to do uh, probably every month a trip around Europe, go to each of the offices in turn from you know UK up to Helsinki to uh, Nancy in Paris or outside in France, fly into Paris and then drive over to Nancy and then down to fly to Milan and uh, yeah, different places. You can get to South Africa once. Nice. My car was built in South Africa for some reason. Cool. I said my car was built in South Africa. Yeah, it's a small world, isn't it? Very nice country. It's definitely a, go- a global economy. Yeah, exactly. It is. That's Do, I sound it. Any- Do I sound any better now? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm still recording, but uh, don't like it. I, sorry, I don't know what it is. Continue on because there's obviously nothing you can do. It's just your connection. Well, don't trust my audio. You definitely sound better than you did, 51. Well, a few minutes ago, Kay Wisher reminded me on IRC to uh, remind everybody to keep using the uh, Etherpad for show notes. Yeah, good, good point. I was uh, filling them up this morning. But as soon as someone says something interesting, I'll fill it in. <laughs> Uh, who'd, who'd have thought we'd have anything interesting to say, Ken? Hey, Ken, while you were gone, man, there was a lot of really, really interesting stuff going on. I look forward to reading it in the show notes. I'll take down the tone of any conversation, don't you worry. Where do we find the show notes? Go to the main HBR site and you'll see that there's a link there to the Etherpad. Okay, I'll have a look. Did anyone get a pine book? No, I've not got one, but I'd yes. like to see one in the flesh. I ordered one. You know, uh, fine, but it really popular.
ordered one. Cost me a hundred ninety nine dollars, uh, forty nine dollars shipping, and then when it arrived, I had a tax bill of twenty five dollars or euros. Sorry, all this is euros, twenty five euros. Uh, surcharge fee of fifteen euros and five euros tax on the surcharge fee. So it ended up being more expensive than if I bought a Intel Chromebook kind of netbooky type thing and put Linux on it. Yeah, if you if you look at it and you start adding every single option like I did, it runs up pretty fast. But uh and the system I'm on right now was my uh, alternate uh if you went out on eBay, you know, what would you get for the same price? And for less than a hundred dollars I got a uh you know, Core 2 Duo, well, I guess it's not because it's AMD, but the equivalent. Uh, but that's, you know, 17-inch, that's what I'm using now. But I, I do, I do like the, uh, the, the Pine Book. I wish maybe they, uh, they told me a year ago there, there would be internal upgrades to the, uh, uh, the Rockbox processor, we haven't seen that yet. How how do you find the keyboard? Keyboard's not bad. The the, the speakers and the uh, trackbar are, are the weak points. Do you not have that small shift key on the uh, right-hand side? Oh, but I mean, like I said, I haven't had that much trouble with the keyboard, but the, the speakers are not fit for purpose. I think everybody yeah, will agree on is, that. The keyboard is definitely not fit for purpose. It is terrible. Oh, I wouldn't say terrible, but I mean, compared to everything else, the track, the track, the track bad and the speakers, uh, you know, th- those are not useful. I mean, I don't like to sag it off because it's nice what they're doing and all, but it just left a sour taste in my mouth after I put, you know, again, you try to give money to an open source project and it ends up just cost you more. Well, I don't mind it to carry around, throw, throw in my suitcase when I'm traveling. Uh, it's not something I would want to use as my everyday system. I think that's the uh, problem with a lot of these laptop um, iterations of single board computers. You know, you can you can get a lot more superior power and stuff like that just by buying a you know two or three year old. Uh, laptop from uh, some kind of refurbishing company. Yeah, I had to jump on when I heard Pinebook. Uh, I almost bit the bullet on it. Uh, I was thinking about doing that as kind of like a birthday, Christmas present. Uh, then I said to myself, you know, I could probably just save up just a little more and get myself a used ThinkPad and probably get more use out of it. But it's still, the Pinebook intrigues me. Yeah, I managed to pick up a Z30, Toshiba Z30 uh, Ultrabook uh, at a really ridiculously cheap price, and it's far superior to any of the uh, Raspberry Pi or Pine 64-based laptops. If I'm not mistaken, doesn't it have issues with uh, playing video like on a web browser? Uh, It doesn't have hardware-accelerated video or something like that? There's pretty much issues with everything, (laughs) to be honest. Duly noted. Okay. Ken, have you ever played with the uh, Pi Top? 
No, no, I haven't. Yeah, we've got a couple of them that we use at the uh, local Raspberry Jam. Uh, nice little, nice little kits. The desktop versions a lot more uh, economic than the laptop version. The laptop version works out about three hundred quid, but uh, the desktop one you can get for just over a hundred. Yeah, I had a look at that, but then you're ending up with a again. You could. It's not economical. It's, I'm all in favor of supporting free and open source projects, but man, it, I, I have. To, it's not good value for money, in my opinion, especially the laptop, because you're, yeah, you're going to buy a keyboard, and mouse, and thingy, and then you're spending significantly more than you can go and buy a Chromebook for. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, Door has, you know, same Pine book I have, and. Uh, I I know he yeah he originally uh was a big backer of the Pi Top but then you know after a while couldn't get anything for it and and uh, I think at the end of the day he's pro- pro- probably uh more in favor of the Pine Book as 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 far as value but uh, you know. I, Comparing the two and and uh, seeing what I have, I I would definitely go for the Pine Book first. Okay. I think I think the key is if these uh, laptops are upgradable with the latest version of whatever board it is. So if it's the Pine sixty four at the moment, if they'll uh, you know make it so that you can swap out that and put the new board in when that eventually arrives then maybe it makes sense once you've got the actual uh pine book same with the uh pie top because you can swap out the original you know you can use all the iterations of the pie in them so you're not having to buy a new one every time a new pie comes out no i think it's great value for money except i've had to now it isn't great value for money because it cost me double in taxes and shipping and all the rest and the keyboard is is literally unusable for me because I use the shift key the whole time and the delete key is an on-off. Where you, the delete key would or, normally be, it's an on-off button. Um, something as simple as the double quotes are on a function key. It's just why that keyboard has been put on is it boggles the mind. Is there, I, I, yeah, maybe you can remap it, remap some of the keys? No, physically they're tiny. They have shift, they've made the keyboard... So that it's more or less scrunched over to the right, and then oh, we have all these keys left over, and instead of putting in full size keys, they're half size keys. It is un unusable as a keyboard. Yeah, I I saw someone mention that online that it looked like they started great and they ran out of space. You know how kind of little when little kids start writing on a banner and then they kind of scrunch everything at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of like that. And I don't see why because I mean there's the standard keyboards. And I'm sure you can get them, uh, you know, in, in lost. The, I, I really, the mind boggles why they went for a custom keyboard. I've never seen a keyboard like this anywhere ever at all, ever. Yeah, I've only ever played with the uh, Pi Top, uh, and the keyboard on that's quite uh, reasonable. So can't really talk about the Pine. Well, having had the uh, the EPC. 901 uh with those tiny keys uh that that probably would that keyboard probably wouldn't bother me much though at this point I'm just speaking in theory uh, I actually pulled out the the 901 uh from storage some time ago and I said I just looked at it and I said to myself how did I ever use this keyboard 
I have it right here, and I'll actually compare the keyboard. I have an um, original PC here, and I'm going to pull it down and compare it and be able to give you a comparison. Well, if I think the... Because I know the 701 had a smaller screen, but I don't know if it, it was even smaller in design. That might, that might be even smaller. Maybe it was just the screen size. Yeah, I think it was just the screen size. When they, when they upped it to a 9, I think they just uh, there was less of a bezel on it. Yeah, I've got to wonder, listen, Ken, if uh, there was a different uh, keyboard on the European version, because uh, it's small, but I, I never had any of those uh, problems. Oh, it's a toggle gear or whatever. Ken's just digging something out off the shelf. Yeah, I'm digging it out there. I'm actually taking it out now. And the keyboard, the shift key, is literally 10, cen- 10 millimeters wide, which corresponds to something like uh, 2, 4, uh, 1, uh, It is about 3 eighths of an inch. See, size has not been the uh, problem for me because... I've always wanted an affordable GPD, and there's one supposedly coming out in February that's like 300 bucks. I can't find where I put the EPC now, but uh, yeah, comparing it to a Chromebook keyboard, I I have never seen a a key, the um, actual key that you press, that small. And it's so much uh, that with everything that I do that I need to go shift something or other because... Uh, you need to use control keys and whatever. You know the way you're writing computer code. You're always using extended characters. And it, you find it's right beside the arrow key. And then you're moving across one. It's just really, really, really strange. Very bad choice. Yeah, that might have been the cheapest keyboard they could get to, to keep the price where it is right now. I'm sure some of the other ones with better layouts may have cost a little more and may have jacked up the price on on the actual Pine Book. Yeah, would be nice to have given, you know, had an uh, option to switch it out or to pay an extra little bit more because really it makes the machine completely unusable. I've got a 32-character password with all sorts of thingies going in, and it takes me four times every time to hit my password correctly because... Um, None of the keys are in the correct place. It's supposed to be a QWERTY keyboard, yes. Uh, the extended characters are somewhere else. Quotes and single quotes are somewhere else. And so then by the time I, I pick it up in order to do something fast and simple, uh, whereas if I picked up one of the other Chromebooks that I have, I'd be logged in and job would be done and then shut it down. It's just now every time I pick up the book that I wanted to be, oh, this is great, I'm using a, a free open source piece of hardware, I'm... And you know, and now I'm going. I, I don't want to touch it because I'll just get frustrated. Yeah, once that you got that muscle memory going, and 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 you don't have anything that works with it, it it gets frustrating. And, not, and I I will not be able to get the muscle memory for this because my fingers physically will not be able to hit the key. I need to physically look at the keyboard to put where my finger is. It's that small. There is no margin for. Error. I remember Dan uh, used to complain, you know, I think he was using Emacs for an editor, and he had to have an escape key. And uh, things like the Remax tablet didn't have one. I mean, that I can happily remap keys. That's not a problem. But when they're physically so strange and in a different place, then it's... Even then, I've, you know, used... uh, 
Solaris keyboards and different other keyboards, and eventually over time you get used to it. But with this, I don't think I ever will. And I really, 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 really wanted to like this project. Yeah, you get disappointed when you uh, you buy something and think it's going to be really nice and uh, you're supporting a good project and then you find it and uh, you're really disappointed. And I am, the mind boggles as to why they put uh, KDE on there. Just the mind absolutely boggles. Does KDE crawl? Yep. It's, you know, something like LXQT would have been nice and zippy or whatever, but it's just everything takes so long. It's a single task computer and it's running one big application, which is KDE. And that's it. Yeah, everything else is, it's just so. Yeah, I understand why the KDE guys do, and, and I, I'm, I like KDE, and I like the guys, what they're doing, but really, it also sets the wrong uh, expectations. If you say this, uh, this machine is capable of driving KDE, yes it is, but it's not capable of um, trying anything else. It's not capable of doing anything on top of that, I, I don't think. And I'm comparing it to like a Raspberry Pi, um, the, I use Raspberry Pis all day, every day for stuff. Uh, they're part of my main workflow, and if you give them one task, they'll do it. Yeah, and and stuff. So yeah, it's a bit disappointing, but it's okay. I'm I'm talking among friends, so you'll keep all this to yourself. <laughs> I don't see anything wrong with saying if you if you don't think something's uh, particularly good anyway. You know, there's been plenty of projects out there that have failed to deliver or delivered a disappointing pro- uh, You know, product in the in the end. Yeah, but I, I feel like I'm letting the project down by saying that. I think what they have is so good that when I plug in my laptop and if I once I get to a console, then bam, I'm productive, you know. But oh, just I'd love to be able to change the keyboard is my wish, basically. Send them a message and tell them that the next iteration should have a different keyboard. Yeah, and then I have to pay double to get us. Ah, uh, yeah, well, get someone to get it as a present if they ever come out with a decent one. Have any of you any tips for scanning photographic negatives? I've never scanned negatives. I always, I've always scanned prints in the past, but you can get some nice little negative scanners. The only problem is they work with uh, pre preset formats. There's very few that are, unless you're going to go into the expensive territory that will do... Uh, you know, the large negatives and things like that. I'm scanning everything uh, on the flatbed scanner, the printouts, and I also got a thing from Aldi, uh, you know, one of those negative scanner jobs. Let's see what they get. Is that for 35 mil? Yeah, something like that, yeah. You have to do a show about it. I think I've already done two or three shows on my scanner, and uh, yeah, once I start doing this, I'll do it. But right now, I'm just uh, going through a shoe large orange crate full of um you know those photo folders that you get back from the that you used to get back from the chemist that have the photos on the inside pocket and the negatives on the outside pocket oh yes remember them well and uh, then uh, trying to separate them out so that i know what i can have to scan and and putting the negatives into a a4 negative holding sheet thing Problem was back in them days, you really had to think about it before you took any photos because of not just the cost of the film, but the cost of developing. Nowadays, people just snap away and take three or four hundred photos every time. 
And that's a good thing. Yeah, you get plenty of uh, memories, but then you've got you got to sort through them for the ones that you want to maybe print off or uh, hang on the wall or whatever. And you've got hundreds, if not thousands, of them to look through. That's true, but I, a long time ago, I used to take a lot of 35 millimeter and use still even. Then I would take uh, a roll of film. If I got two pictures even worth printing, I thought I was pretty lucky. And, yes, it was more expensive to do it. Now you take 50 pictures, and if you got two or three that were worth uh, printing or, uh, I guess, putting on a computer, <laughs> uh, that would, that's, that's worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah, big revolution in photography, really. Uh, but there's still a... I think there's still a market for uh, the old uh, film photography. I think some of the uh, professionals, particularly portrait artists, still use film. I wonder if they want to buy a couple of cameras that haven't been used in 15 years. You'll have to try. Go on eBay, see what they go for. I'm sure it's less and less each year. Yeah, until they become collector's items, and then you might make mega books out of them. Yeah, I've got... Resolution on film still might be slightly better, but I think we're catching up. Yeah, I think one of the latest Canons now is 50 megapixels or something. My digital camera is still 12 megapixels, but I've been looking uh, to... I've been looking at newer ones in the 20 or so uh, range, but I don't take enough pictures, and so I've thought okay if i can start taking pictures again and take enough to justify going out there and spending you know five or six seven hundred dollars on camera gear um then i would do it but uh, so far i haven't gotten off my butt and done that yeah i think the high-end ones tend to be slrs so they they're the ones with the really really high resolutions at the moment but as with anything else it tumbles down into the consumer market eventually yeah, I bought an SLR here a few months ago, and the default uh, lens with it was still, you know, if you're in a room with people, you could take the picture, which is not a lot better than my, uh, you know, cell phone camera or the non-SLR I had before, so I did spend money on getting some longer-range uh, uh, lenses, you know, one of them. Probably it'd take a good half a mile or more, but uh, you know, I, I I wasn't sure what I needed, so I got a couple lenses. So I'm kind of covered. I still don't know what I'm doing. I'm just looking on the Canon site at the moment, and uh, one of their ES EOSs, the 5D Mark IV, that's a 30 meg uh, full frame sensor. But I'm pretty sure I've seen one with a bigger fra- uh, sensor than that. Well, they've certainly gotten quite good. I I'm, I'm don't know if they're exactly as good as Kodachrome or not, but they're uh, certainly very, very good now. And uh, I need to upgrade mine. My my compute my my camera was I think around six hundred dollars. Uh, gosh, I'm not sure. Whenever they were making twelve megapixel cameras, but um, it's it's probably time to get a new one, but I'm still in that same price range. It's not at all professional. It's it's better than your cell phone is about what you say about these cameras. 
Yeah, uh, I remember getting my first point and shoot uh, before cameras became uh, ubiquitous on uh, mobile phones. And I think it was a two megapixel, and I thought it was the bee's knees. Well, that's the trouble I always had is, you know, I, I had cell phone camera the, the, the year I went to Philadelphia and, you know, a few other big cities and stuff, and it's like, uh, you, you take a picture and it looks good, looks good in your eye, and uh, then you then you look at the image and it's like you it looks like you're 12 miles away. Yeah, the a lot of the uh, modern uh, prosumer ones they've got super zooms on them and things like that, and it's not quite as bad as that nowadays. I I like to have um, I when I was taking a lot of pictures, uh, I've got. Uh, two two bodies. I would put one kind of film in one, usually color slide film, and then uh, black and white uh, print film in the other. And then I have a bag full of of lenses that were all fixed because I don't know if it was true or not. But uh, back in the uh, '70s, the idea was that zoom lenses weren't any good, and so you, nobody really used zoom lenses if you were serious. So I had a bag full of of uh, individual. Uh, focal length lenses to change out and so you're taking a ton of stuff with you but now um, the the lenses are so good you might need to uh, get you know zoom lenses uh, zoom lenses and then you're done you know yeah you might need three if you want a macro yeah i, w- I wish i knew more about it because i uh, it's it's something for macro, I had a Bellos that I took my 50 millimeter lens and uh, attached to the front, and then connected my camera to the back, and I could zoom in uh, like that. It was a a thing with a couple of rails and and you and gear. You crank you 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 cranked. You cranked it in and out to focus down to really, really close and uh, stuff like that. And I have no idea what they do for macro these days. Uh, you, you may still be able to. You may still have to do stuff like that if you want to talk about uh, really close stuff. Sorry, I was typing and I missed a lot of what you said, Mongo. Oh, I was talking about. Uh, I was just talking about how you use. You need to turn off text to speech. Uh, the um, how you used to do a macro in the in the old days with a a an ex, either a, a hard extension or a, a bellows. I had a bellows type extension to put. You take your normal lens. You put your normal lens on the end of a a a bellows and and push it well way away from your your camera body and that's why you do shoot the macro and uh these days you're right there might be a special macro lens that will do all that for you uh and um but i don't i I don't know what that is these days sorry i was just checking to see if text-to-speech was on but it's not on mine it's on mine i couldn't figure out how to turn it off found it under configure if it's ticked, it's on. If it's not ticked, it's off. Oh, it's ticked, but I couldn't get it to untick. Yeah, I rejoined. I was told I was breaking up badly. I, I Man, I can hear everybody perfectly. It's a little bit, bit better 51, but uh, not much. 
Well, apparently I can be understood, so maybe that's the best I can do right now. That's gone a little clearer. Were you speaking closer to the mic then? Yeah, uh, I swung it in a little bit now. Is that better? Yeah, that's a little better. How's that? I increased the gain on uh, my volume control. Not too bad. You, you, you're definitely not breaking up like you were five minutes ago. Okay, that maybe have to, what I have to do then. Audio's a funny thing. Well, like I said, I'm I'm dealing with new ISP, so who knows what's going on. So who's your ISP in uh, the States then? It is BlazingHog.com. God, they have some good names. Yeah, that's not exactly a name I would have picked if I was going to, you know, sound professional, but yeah, that... Uh, that did seem at the time to be my best option. Did you at least consider not using them just because of the name? I think I would have liked to look around to try to find something better. Yeah, yeah, I did go out on the uh, on Google and say Blazing Hog Scam, blah, blah, blah. Hey, 50, you're going to have to get one of those desk bells every time you mention their name as a, as a plug. <laughs> just give them a ding every time you mention their name. I may have to. They're not up to the speed they promised, so uh, I do know my neighbors. They had to get some uh, plug-in antennas to their uh, uh, to the, to their wireless modem. So uh, you know, we'll see if I can get up to that speed. Fine, I will be their number one fan. Uh, if not, you know, either either way, I will do an HPR and say. Yeah, this is my experience. Go ahead, Munga. As far as uh, getting up to a particular speed, uh, that's what kind of what they promise. They say, we'll get to up to 50 megabits, and you'll say that means you promise not to go over that? Actually, they, they are trying to guarantee 23 megabits up. I'm lucky here in the UK. I'm with the uh, only purely cable, cable uh, ISP, and I get prom- uh, my contract says I'm promised uh, up to 100 meg, and I regularly get up to 130. Who are you with? I'm with my friends Virgin Media, and a fine body of people they are. Gosh, what a wonderful oh. company that is! I wonder why you're saying that, Ken. Absolutely no reason. Completely impartial. Nothing to do with. Of course you are. Apart from data security, they're not too bad. I've been. On I shall s- refrain from commenting. <laughs> I've been on the same uh, cable for about twenty years, and um, I think it started off at about point seven five uh, megabits, and over the years, it's just slowly gone up. A little time, never an announcement, never a letter saying, "Look what we're going to do for you." But then I I went also about over 15 years with never a raise in the cost. And even now, it's not but a few dollars more than I, I originally started with. And I get typically about 60 megabits down, and it's about five or six up. Yeah, I'm getting about five or six up. But like I say, I've got over 100 meg down, which is brilliant. Well, I'm in a rural area, so 20. What they promised 23 isn't half bad. If you get 20 or 23, that sounds perfectly usable for most uh, most anything. Well, like, you know, sure. 
But uh, what I'm getting right now is six, which is better than what I had because what I had was guaranteed three, and it might bounce to six, but uh, it was it wasn't consistent. You know, I I I would go on and yeah, we can't we can't stream that, and then I would have to go and you know. Uh, reset the modem and or the uplink and sometimes I'd have to do it two or three times to get uh, enough speed to get to do streaming. And still not what uh I was supposedly paying. I remember when I thought two meg was uh, absolutely fantastic when I first got my cable connection because I'd gone from uh uh ISP no not ISP and um um, ADSL broadband at uh, half a meg, uh, and when I came up here, got cable and got uh, two meg. I thought, "Wow, speed!" Now, <laughs> now I can download a ISO of Ubuntu in about ten less than ten minutes. Oh yeah, when I first got on quote broadband, it was like maybe point five, point three. Is there anybody out there? Sorry, I was just having a look at my phone. I got a ding. No worries. I need to um, do family stuff now once they finish this chapter of Harry Potter. <laughs> it's a Christmas tradition. or Well, actually, it's a holiday tradition when they have holidays. My wife reads uh, one of the Harry Potter books. Ah. So you're not watching all the movies then back to back? I haven't watched any of the movies at all. It would ruin it. Okay. I actually um, quite like the movies, and I haven't read all the books. Uh, we bought the books uh, when the, my brother recommended the first book when it came out, and then we read that one, and the second book had just come out. So uh, from then on, we were like waiting for the next book to come out. Uh, so you were one of those w- ones that were waiting at uh, the bookstore at midnight, waiting to get your hands on the next copy? Not at all. I pre-ordered on Amazon. Are you mad? <laughs> <laughs> Someone gave me um, the whole of uh, Babylon 5 and the related uh, movies as a box set, including uh, the um, Crusade uh, 13 episodes, so I've got my way to work through them uh, shortly. I, uh, never, I never got into Babylon 5, to be honest, but uh, I was thinking about Fan- it. Yeah, fantastic show that was. One of, yeah, it, I think it changed science fiction on TV forever. Oh, I was a huge B5 fan in the day. Uh, I did not uh, do the sequels as much. And, you know, uh, well, I, I think it would have taken off if they hadn't done it against sports ball. Uh, the, uh, not Crusade, but the... Uh, uh, thinking of Legend of the Rangers. The Rangers, yes. Uh, yeah, I think that would have been a great show. Though I was not a big a big fan of crawl into a hole and and uh punch the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, it was a re- it was really good uh, s- series Babylon 5 and the you know, I, I enjoyed watching the spin-offs but uh, the whole Babylon 5 uh, experience was really good. Well, 1 to 4 was good. Season 5 went downhill. But that was because they had to, you know, they'd already used up the story in seasons one to four because they thought they weren't going to get recommissioned. 
Exactly, you know, it's like, mm. oh yeah, we got we got to finish it off in the in this year. Now there's the thing that annoys me is series that stop on a cliffhanger and then get cancelled. Oh, definitely, absolutely but annoying. But they want to stop in the cliffhanger so people will, will write in and say, hey, we need another season. Yeah, that worked for uh, uh, Brown Coats, Sel- Selenium. What do you call us? Why is my brain not working today? Old age? Ah, yeah, it could be. Turn 50, but I think it's just tiredness. That's me calling the kettle, uh, the pot calling the kettle black, though. <laughs> Serenity. <laughs> well, Firefly, of course. Firefly. But at least Firefly had the decency to do the graphic novels and make the movie. That then finished up the stories for me. I've not heard of that one. Firefly! Oh, my God. It's brilliant. What? What? What was that? Who, who produced that? Josh Walden. So is that an American show or a European one? American one. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, it won't take you too long to go through it. I'll have to look out for that. And there's a thing I ran across the other day. I don't know if it's fan-made or if it was ever serious. You know, an animated Firefly. There was um, Firefly, the TV series. They only did one series of it. And it wasn't aired in order, but you should watch it in order. And then you had, um, there were some graphic novels in between, and then there was Serenity, the movie. Yeah, they they didn't even, wrote, they didn't uh, actually air, I think, all the episodes. It was absolutely terrible. I mean, I think to this day, Nathan Fillion wants to restart the series. Yeah, he's wanted to do that for some time, but yeah, I don't know if it's be possible now, so yeah. No, probably not. Basically, it was a space western. <laughs> the word. Absolutely ridiculous but a fun, fun piece of stuff. Well, actually, it's not you know, uh, if you look at the premise, it's not that uh, uh, far off. I mean, you're saying, you know, you're saying that uh, you know, transporting people, you know, anything across the uh, earth or, you know, it's supposed to be taking place in the same uh uh, solar system. Anything across the solar system is really expensive. So, you know, it is a lot cheaper to, uh, you know, transport horse embryos than it is tractors. And, and that was the whole premise of the series, you know. Yeah. And yeah. the, uh, yeah. you, you know, the whole... Uh, uh, Western aspect and the whole thing that, yes, projectile launchers are legal, whereas, you know, energy weapons are not. I'm reluctant to say even much more a good series. I might uh, go and have a look at Babylon 5, see how we go. Yeah, I just put a link to the, uh, I, what is it, the um, IMDB? IMDB. Yeah, yeah saw that. Sorry. Well done. So what what other TV shows do people uh, get into? Well, at, at the risk of boring people who have listened to the episode from the beginning, I have more or less stopped watching uh, TV series and switched to watching YouTube channels. That's strange you should say that, Ken, because that's what I've been doing over Christmas. <laughs> I've even put uh, some scripts up there in HBR for your uh, that will allow you to easily download stuff and put it into folders that you can sync up with your uh, mobile phone and stuff if you've got a commute. 
I'll have to have a look at that. Yeah, I, um, I, I've been watching some uh, YouTube channels. They, these are video channels on um, restoring old die-cast metal cars. You know, the old Dinky and Corky. Yeah, you know the ones, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love them. They're fantastic. Being an engineer by first profession, uh, some, of the, some of the work these guys put into them is absolutely amazing. Phenomenal. I thought, yeah, I thought I was the only one to listen to uh, watch those occasionally, all, all the old Mattel and uh, Hot Wheels cars. Yeah, watching them as well. I haven't watched a lot of those um, car restoration things, but occasionally you'll see one and you think, uh, yeah, I might, I might watch that. Uh, but I tend to only subscribe to something if... So my logic is I keep track of stuff going around the internet on uh, Best of YouTube, to, uh, and I have a show on the... Uh, HPR about that and if I see a channel coming up kind of about twice I go have a look at the channel and see if it's interesting and then if I think it is I have a script for downloading the entire channel and I'll have a quick uh, scan through there and then if I think it's good I'll go to, back to the beginning and watch all of it and then if I think it's really good I'll subscribe to it at the end My, my trouble with the Hot Wheels and the uh, Mattel cars is I will hit these hit these videos and say, yeah, this is incredibly rare and you should, you could make a lot of money. And I, you know, I know I had these as a kid and they all burned up in the fire and I'm like, yeah, let me go get a hammer and beat myself in the head. Yeah. God. Yeah. Well, as for me, uh, I still have a Netflix and uh, Amazon Prime account. So I actually, you know, I'll, I haven't watched much of anything lately. Uh, but last uh, the last couple of days, I sat down and kind of finished up the last season of House of Cards, which was, uh, well, I won't spoil it for anybody. Uh, but uh, aside from that, if it's anything YouTube, it's usually something on retro computing or retro gaming. Uh, I like watching the uh, LGR, Lazy Game Reviews. Uh, I'm subscribed to that one and a couple other ones like 8-Bit Guy, uh Things like that. Oh yeah, he's cool. I watch a few of his already. Yeah, we're, uh, those, we proposed a series stuff. where you could uh, you could uh, give your recommendations for uh, YouTube channels to follow. So I was just here. I was just thinking that I've just had a look at my YouTube channel and I've got 161 subscribed. Obviously, That's some a series of them I've right just there. yeah, I've just subscribed to some of them just so I can find them again, but. Uh, you know, obviously, that would make a, a couple of shows. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm subscribed to good numbers uh, of things on YouTube. Uh, but some of them are mainly music. Uh, but even those would be good to, to recommend as episodes. So I think we've got maybe a good year's worth of episodes there. <laughs> some of them are mainly music. Uh, but even those would be good to, to recommend as episodes. So I think we've got maybe a good year's worth of episodes there. <laughs> no Probably. Problem, 260 slots just become free. <laughs> I've got to reserve some for uh, bar, uh, for uh, Liverpool Make Fest and for uh, Og Camp interviews. Yeah, do that. Uh, you put, send an email into the list, and then uh, shouldn't be a problem. No, I was just thinking of my personal uh, content. You know, saving some of what I'm going to do for this for the uh, HPR site. Hey, have any of you uh, going back to the whole YouTube uh, thing? Have any of you seen? The videos from, I think it's called Ahoy. Uh, he usually does, he has different, different types of like, 
they're almost documentary like. Um, and he had one. I remember the first one I saw. One was of uh, the uh, the urban legend uh, Polybius video game. Uh, and he's got oh, a couple yes. other good ones. They're very well done. Yeah, you pasted those into the IRC one time, and I uh, took a look at them. That was very good. I watched that with my wife, actually. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got this he's got this way of keeping you engaged. It's very well produced. Basically, it's a PowerPoint presentation, but still very good. Yeah, it, it's pretty much that. But even I guess the tone of his voice and how he he just how he speaks and everything it it just captures you and really kind of immerses you into the whole subject matter. And you know, since I watched that thing, I've seen. I've seen so many references to that everywhere in comic strips, in the back of TV shows. Once you're watching, once you're aware of it, you see that uh, that game being played absolutely everywhere. If there's a if there's a computer or a arcade game anywhere on a comic strip, it's more than likely going to be that one. Oh, the Palladius one, yeah, yeah. That that's the that's one of those urban legends uh, uh, of the internet, or even before the internet, like that famous scream in movies that. Uh, you put in as a nomad. Well, there's that other one. What was it? The uh, Cicada something or other. I forgot what the numbers were. Yeah, C- Cicada 3301, I believe it is. I was looking it up. What was the name of the computer game? No, it was an internet puzzle called uh, Cicada 3301. Yeah, but the arcade game was called what again? I completely forget. Oh, Polybius. Poly as in polygon and then B-I-U-S, I believe it is. Yeah, I got it on Wikipedia. I'll put it into the show notes. And I'll have a look for his channel as well. Oh yeah, that's the guy. Links in the show notes, my friends. Nothing, not of the likes of Polybius, but still very, very good. There's also one of the brief history of graphics uh, that I uh, recommended to my eldest son, who's studying video game design. Uh, thought he'd be interested in that. I am more and more recommending videos and YouTube and stuff. Oh, a conversation and work, and then you go, here's a video. <laughs> it's explain. There are so many explanations for things that people ask questions for now it's we're living in a wonderful time i believe yeah we are in spite of so many other things <laughs> hey 15 k where's your how's it going hi joe hey tony didn't see you on there <laughs> hey a long time no see <laughs> right? talk. It's been less than 12 no it's been less than 24 hours yeah how's the stream going Seems to be going quite smoothly. I've been awake for a good 30 seconds now. Uh, so you won't uh, listen to the uh, recording yet? No, no, I haven't. And uh went to a New Year's Eve party a day early last night. Ah, head's a bit uh, woolly. No, just had some really good conversation, you know. And I wasn't completely sober, but I wasn't really falling down drunk either. That's all right, then. Yeah. So I didn't mean to break up whatever conversation was going on before I got here. We were talking about YouTube channels and various things before you got here. Uh, what, uh, what line of conversation on that? Monetization? Well, Ken, just before you uh, you joined, Ken was talking about using YouTube as a way to point out uh, how, to, how to do, you know, if someone had asked a question on something, that uh, he'd point them towards a YouTube video. Why is the sky blue type of thing? <laughs> <laughs> but I was the talk- tides was one that we had a big discussion about at work, and then I got here's a YouTube video. Thanks, guys. Bye. Well, yeah, actually, that one. Else explain it for you. Yeah. Well, yeah. They. It's a. It's a good question, and uh, that one I had. 
I had seen and deleted and can't, couldn't find it again. So then I added to my uh, downloader script that it downloads the descriptions of the YouTube videos. Uh, so I, I keep those even if the video is gone. What do you use for that? Oh, there will be a show on the HBR feed describing that. Oh, good, good. Well, you can oh, go to the uh, upcoming up. shows and uh, there's a link in there and you can use the script. Okay, okay. I'll take a look. Basically, YouTube DL and then you can download uh, the raw data of the descriptions. Yeah, uh, a lot of make me some YouTube DL. I haven't used it for descriptions though. It is awesome, and I need to, to remind myself when I hear this that I should throw them a few quid. Yeah, no, I use uh, YouTube DL to replace some R- the RSS feed functionality that got taken away a couple of years back. And oddly enough, I have put a uh, a show coming up to use the RSS feed, download it, and. Uh, yeah, do all that sort of cool stuff with uh, basically in my RSS read for YouTube. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, I've <clears throat> seen a program floating around that uh, supposedly converts YouTube videos back into RSS feeds, and then you can generate your own and then use that to get well, your videos. I heard from Dave Morris, and there's another few. There's today, actually, uh, on HPR. Let me just go to it. Yeah, today's show. Yeah, today's show by uh, Taj is really simple uh, YouTube. So th- there's a hidden feature on YouTube subscriptions where you can get an OPML file out. Okay. And that contains something like 15 to 20 of the last shows. And then my script, which will be coming out on the, uh, yeah, on uh, the 4th, on Friday. So next Friday, you can go into the download page in uh, episode 2720. And that uh, is an RSS script, which will take that OPML file and basically uh, uh, uses XML Starlet to pick out the various different bits and pieces. And That's so, so, so much cooler than me using YouTube DL and Cron. Yeah, well, you can use this and Cron. So, yeah, this is what, what I do. It's actually quite fast as well because uh, I was using YouTube DL I have an episode already done where I was comparing the uh, last downloaded date, so a bit like Bash Potter used to do, and then uh, the URL of the channel, and then an ISO 8601 date of when I downloaded it last, and then you go in and it checks every video and skips over the ones that it doesn't have. But that just takes a long time, especially if there's... Right, um, right, yeah. I've watched that happen because even if you tell it, you know, not more than six months old, it's still going to check every video in the list, even if it's gotten to the point where they're all six months older. Yeah, so the compromise here is you download everything once, and then you can use your subscription manager, and you run that every day, and you get all the uh, all the feeds. Well, I will check it out when in the show hits HR. And then I have another one that's specific to me, uh, which is uh, I take those videos and load them on my phone and kind of keep them synced, which is which has been a big pain, <laughs> very very difficult to do, a lot more difficult than I thought when I started it. What do you use to sync to your phone? Uh, it's a script based on rsync, but the problem is that my connections to the phone will drop because uh, yeah, I all my methods for getting to my phone either using a USB connection or an SSH connection or an SFTP connection are all flaky. So it needs to check at every point uh, to make sure the connection is there and oh it's can pain. I make a suggestion? Yes. It's the same one I made on the show yesterday. Um on Mint 
on Midcast yesterday. Um, ET Sync, now Resilio Sync. Ah, very good. I mean, because it's using the BitTorrent technologies, every time it connects to a network, it's going, well, if you have it set up that way, leave mine paused unless I know I've added something that I want on my phone. I'll move it to the file on my computer and then turn it on on my phone and let it finish. But um, even with a partial connection or anything like that, it's going to get you a part of the data, and then it loses connection, it's going to pause, and then it's going to pick it up again right where it left off. Oh, nice. Very nice. Yeah. What was that called again? ET-Sync? ET-Sync is the old name for it. Oh, uh, it's Right. And now it's Resilio-Sync. R-E-S-I-L-I-O. Yeah, got a link. It's in the show notes. And we heard it on there. Okay. Hmm? Oh, Mint, Mintcast for, on, uh, at uh, Mintcast.org, episode 299. I probably mentioned it in a couple other shows, too. You coming on here shamelessly plugging other podcasts? Tut, tut, tut. Oh, I will. All day long. And what's wrong but, with that, Ken? That's what HBR is for, my friends. People get uh, surprised when they hear that. Yes, well, we're more Wait than until the Tilts to... guys show up. Guns and flight, guys. Guns and guns and planes. Yeah, they're supposed to be joining on mass at seven o'clock our time, two o'clock Eastern Coast time, isn't it? Yeah, that's what they told me. Oh, if I can only do the same for Linux basement. (laughs) Yes, that sounded like a starting plug right there. Hey, Jojo, how you doing? Say hi. Hi. Hi, Jojo. Hi. 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 He he went back to his iPad. No. Okay. Oh, yes, the in the hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, I, I'm gonna have really crappy audio for a second. All right, go ahead, Jojo. Hello. 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 Do you know where I am? You know where I am? No. I'm in the UK. I'm in the UK. Okay. <laughs> Do you know where that is? Do you know where that is? England. Correct. Correct. Well done. Wow. My dad's room. No. Dad's room or lifeline. Oh, yeah. What is your favorite sport? My favorite sport? My you, favorite you probably sport. never heard you, of it because it's... probably never heard of it because it's, it's... cricket. It's cricket. Oh, I've heard of it. And I've actually played cricket, too. You've played cricket? You've played cricket? Yeah, at school. Wow, brilliant. Wow, brilliant. Yeah. So, did were you a batsman so, or a bowler? Did, were you a batsman or a bowler? We get to do both of them. Right. Right. I can tell you my favourite sport. Yeah, what's hockey. your favourite sport? Hockey. Ah, Ice hockey. hockey or... Yeah, we're hockey. 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 Gee, I wonder why, Joe. Uh, because I was raised like that. Who's your favorite team? I have two favorite teams. Hmm. New York Rangers, my first favorite team, and the Las Vegas Knights. So what about baseball? What about baseball? None. You're not into baseball not at into all? Baseball. I'm into soccer, but I do it by myself. The only reason to be in baseball or be into baseball is if you're a closet statistician. <laughs> <laughs> and you need multiple players to play that. You need multiple players to play hockey. No, you don't. Yeah, you do. Not really. Yeah, you do. I play by myself. What? Play two or one player. Technically, you can play baseball by yourself in the same way. 
Yeah, but it doesn't kind of work like that. It does. Well, just as much as hockey by yourself does. Yeah, you'd have to be thrower and then have to run. You toss the ball straight up in the air, and then you wait for it to come down, and then you smack it, and, you know, you're still the one that has to go get the ball. <laughs> and then throw it to space and try um, to get it. That sounds fun. Skip that part, but okay. When I was a kid, we used to play uh, tennis on our own. Is that? Tennis. Oh. Used to hit the ball against the wall. Kind of sounds like wall ball. Except you use it. A ball. Well, no, the, both games have a ball. One just a racket. Yeah, wall ball is a fairly popular college pastime. Oh, right, okay. Oh, right, okay. Okay, go back on your iPad. Yeah, that was my son. Hey, hey. Was on him. Call me JC. Okay, where was our conversation? You mean the one we've just had or uh, the one we were talking about before your uh, little Joe joined us? Oh, the one before JoJo joined us. I can't remember now. <laughs> oh, me either. If we were in Florida instead of far west Texas, I'd introduce you all to my dad. Also, his name is Joe. <laughs> you can call me Jason. This could get very confusing. My my um, brother from another mother, he actually lived with us when I was a kid. Um, his name is Joe. I, I have a cousin. His name is, um, what was it, um, Joe. Farm believers in recycling, yeah? Uh, my, well, my grandpa, his name was George, but he hated it. And he had everybody call him Joe. <laughs> this, this sounds like an HPR episode in the making. So The Joe clan. This is my brother Daryl and my other brother Daryl. Well, it, it was actually a bit of a, <laughs> a a pain in the butt when I joined the military when I was 18 because there was already one person with my exact name in the military. Like, yeah, that's my cousin. Ah. Well, my dad was in the military too, but we all worked around it. So which uh, area did you serve in? Army. I worked with uh, Patriot Missile Systems. Ah, I was in the Merchant Marine back in the day. All right, everyone. I'll catch you all later. Got some things to take care of. Toodle pips. Cheerio. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. See you. Bye. I'm going to go because uh, sitting in one place for more than a, an hour or so gets a bit painful. So I'm going to go and uh, stretch my legs and then I'll rejoin you later. Hope you feel better. Thanks, I'll Joe. I'll be uh, leaving shortly as well for the evening festivities. Don't get too drunk. No. Hey, Honky, what's up? Looks like most of the Linux slugcast is here. <laughs> I do try. Hey, 50. Hey, Joe, how's it going? How you been? Not bad. Can't complain. What you been up to? I ain't talked to you in a little while. Everybody's been complaining about my audio quality. Oh, who's been complaining about your audio quality? Me. Uh, what are you running for a mic? I think it was, it's not his mic, it's his, uh, uh, the network is dropping out. But maybe after everyone's had breakfast over there, then the network will be back. Yes, the wireless blaster headset. Yeah, uh, I eventually had to give up on my wireless headsets being good enough for podcasting and broke down and spent the massive $30 on a snowball mic. So you reckon it's the wireless headset and not the network? Um, the thing about the Bluetooth headsets is they add some kind of compression. So even if you've got a good Bluetooth headset, for some reason it just doesn't come across well on podcasting. It's not Bluetooth, you know, 
That sounds like network. Did I drop off the network? Nope, that was 50. Okay. I'm using a Bluetooth headset, but a H2 wired mic, so... Really? Which one? Compromise. Yeah, it sounds good. Zoom H2. Zoom H2? Yeah, Zoom H2. It, uh... H. Yeah, it's a H. Hotel 2. Okay, H2. I gotcha. Sorry, weird accent. Okay, I see a Zoom H2 handy portable stereo recorder. That's the bunny. Okay. You plug it in, yeah, that, and it's a USB mic as well. Yeah, that that's a uh, that's a different price bracket too. Well, I've got my money's worth out of it. Uh, okay. You bring it to uh, shows and stuff as well, so I've done all my audio recording on it. I uh, I've tried a couple of more expensive uh, headsets, and that's just added a bit of compression and didn't work well. I mean, um, for a long time I was using the. LG HBS lines, and that was the 770s, the um, 810s, and the 780s. Have you got a link for some of those? Oh, um, it's just LG HBS. They're around-the-neck headphones. They've been around for a while now. Um, But um, I also had a pair of, um, have, I'm using them for audio right now, a pair of Sennheiser... Urbanite XLs. Oh wow, they expensive. Yeah. Um, they were when they first came out. Um, I think dropped in price. They were in the three hundred dollar range, and um, now I think they're in the uh, sub two hundred dollar range for headsets. And they sound great. They just what's a what's the model number? Sennheiser what? Urbanite XL. Yeah, got the link. Thanks. Okay. We're filling out the show notes on the Etherpad uh, linked on the website. If anyone wants to join along. No, but I was using the LG HBSs because I enjoy soldering, and I'll be able to buy them on eBay in groups of 10 for about $40, and they'll all be broken, and I'll take them all and make working headsets. Oh, wow, yeah. Okay, cool. That is good. I must say, over the last year and a bit, I've been getting, well, a lot more than a year, but in the last year, all the effort that I've been putting into getting into electronics and soldering and stuff is starting to pay off. There have been a few pieces of kit that would have been thrown out, but I have a look at it, and as right. the e-blog says, if it's broke, it ain't going to get any broker. So <laughs> Exactly. But, yeah, there's a couple of good podcasts out there that have um, really gone over how to do um, soldering, if you're looking at it. I mean, but know-how um, with um, Robert Ballester, when he was doing the show, he went over how to do soldering several times, and I think he did a really good job. And I know Hack5 back in the day had a couple of soldering tutorials. Yeah, we've even had an audio one on here. Mr. X did a series on how to solder it through audio. Okay, cool. I mean, it's not that hard. The hardest thing is starting. Right, right. Um, I've been soldering on and off for a long time, and when I started out, I was exceptionally crappy at it, and after years and years of practice, I'm much less crappy at it, but still fairly crappy. Yeah, and the issue is, of course, you're getting older, eyesight's going, right. hands yeah. are getting wobbly, every, and all the components are getting smaller, so yeah. Yeah, I didn't used to get a migraine doing soldering and now you know i'm sitting so close to the piece and i'm staring at it and breathing in the fumes because i'm right freaking there so yeah. yeah get off my lawn yeah i'm about ready for that 
Yeah, sorry, just for everybody probably knows who's been listening to the recorded feed, but I am uh, scanning photos and organizing uh, my father-in-law's photo collection from the last, what appears like 50 years, and I'm beginning to see the bottom of an orange box now where he had them thrown in, so that's why I'm not able to get to the push-to-talk button. Although nobody would notice this, because there's truncate silence done by the time they've heard it, but just so you right. know. I'm not being rude. Well, in a podcast that lasts more than 24 hours, you expect some silences. So how long have you been podcasting now? Um, two years, I think. I started on TLLTS about two years ago. Then I jumped oh, over yeah, to... Oh, yeah, that's you, all right. Yeah, yeah, sorry. And then I jumped over to um, the Linux Lugcast... And still doing that with those guys, and I'm also recently, uh, when the old hosts were leaving, started uh, doing the Mitcast. Wow, and you have time for all this? Um, I tend to make time. I mean, it's not as time-consuming as you might think. I was going to be doing Linux projects anyways, so... I actually find the live shows are easier, because, yeah, you just, you just talk, and then that's it, it's done. Hey folks, this is CM Hobbs. I'm just seeing if my mic's working. This headset's clearly a bust. That's uh, working it is pretty good. Working fine. Sounds very good at you. Oh, very good. Hey Ken, I need uh, episode ideas. It's been about a year. I seem to do this about once a year, and uh, my friend has a fancy new recorder, uh, really high quality thing. Uh, so, what what sorts of episodes are we looking for at the moment? I've I've run plum out of ideas. How is that possible, sir? I'm not terribly creative, that's how. Oh, come on. I, I want to hear somebody that's actually been hands-on with the Odroid Go. The last time, I think, uh, you were asking me about doing an episode on DNS, and I put together a very short one. It was all of, like, I don't know, maybe five minutes. Maybe I could expand on that one. It was a it was a practical guide more than a, <laughs> the guts of the naming system, but... Um, maybe, maybe something on DNS. I don't know. Uh, got a lot of amateur radio stuff I could do. Yep. Uh, Absolutely. got a lot of Absolutely. other Linuxy things. I don't know. Just the, everything I've got is a short. Well, we did the satellites already. Um, there's all these crazy radio over IP and digital voice modes. We could maybe do one of those. There's, uh, I do a lot of low power Morse code stuff. That's possible. I don't know. I'll see what I can dig up. The roundtable for the um, the ham roundtable. Are you up for doing that again? Absolutely. I really enjoyed that. Uh, I think it just kind of petered out a little bit. I uh, killed the thing. That's what happened. That's what happened. Oh, great. Well, another thing that's happening is uh, on January 26th, I know that's a little further down the road, but uh, on January 26th and 27th is Winter Field Day here in the States, and um, I'm going to be operating on the 27th. I could probably do a sort of a live podcast from there and talk to some of the radio amateurs that are freezing out on the front lawn of a local lodge. <laughs> yeah, can you do that? Uh, the, um, the hallway track type of thing, the feel of it, what it's like out there, even the, gosh, it's cold here, Bob, type stuff. That's what it's like to be in the hobby or one of those field days that would be absolutely awesome. I would love that. Yeah, field days are not a, I guess they're a common thing in the vacation in the sense that they happen every year uh, or twice a year if you do winter field day, but it would give a good idea of what events are like. And I believe we'll probably have uh, 
five or ten different operating stations up with different modes. So maybe I could get some people uh, talking about different modes they use that I don't know anything about. Cool. And um, print off some business cards and just pass them around, you know, even if it's only a sheet of uh, paper cut off with the, with the HBR logo on it and the address. Well, I'm uh, organizing the space itself, so if there's anything you would like set up, um, I could <clears throat> put up a... Uh, not, I don't know that I can print a banner, but I could put up a couple of flyers or something like that. As well, well, we have the HPR booths kit, so if whoever has that can send it to you. That would be great. Yeah, please do. Uh, my information on the site is still valid, even though it's been a year since I've posted. <laughs> not a problem, sir. Um, so whoever has the HPR the uh, booth kit is in my basement. Kafunda, who needs Excellent. it? Well, CM Hans. <clears throat> I don't know that if I need a full booth kit, I just would be cool to put up some uh, Hacker Public Radio propaganda uh, at this Winterfield Day. Well, when I say I have the kit, I'm, I have the big banner, so I'm not sure what else is supposed to be in the kit, but that's the kit I have. I don't know what's in the U.S. kit, to be honest. Oh, that's fine. I'll come up with some kind of banner. I know there's business cards. Uh, maybe I can blow one of those up or something like that. Uh, are the business cards visible on the uh, main site, or is there some secret yeah, it's links under, to track down? No, it's under media, and um, yeah, it should be there. I I'm failing that. If you can ping me an email, and I'll get back to you with it. Yep. Very good. We'll give it a shot. I'll put up some sort of uh, some sort of uh, HPR propaganda, and I'll get my buddy's fancy recorder and see if I can't get some good audio. Uh, I need to play with it a little bit first and see. Um, how the mics work because it's apparently got multiple modes as far as uh, <coughs> the directionality of the mics and things are concerned. Okay, guys, sorry to do this, but I have family time now, so uh, I'm going to drop off. I'll uh, probably call in after midnight here and wish everybody a happy new year. It was cool talking to everybody. It was good talking to you. I'll be back on again in the morning anyway, so if you're around, we could talk all day. See you later, guys. Later, guys. Have fun, Ken. Later. Later, Ken. Checking to see if the recording's still going. One, two, one, two. No, we're not going. We're still here. Run out of stuff to talk about. Yeah. Everything was going very chatty with about four or five people going, and and I got a phone call and uh, stepped out for about an hour and came back, and it was lots of people logged in, and nobody's saying anything. Yeah, just got quiet for a while. I think it comes and goes. Everybody's contemplating the wisdom of the last hour or so. Well, no, I'm jealous that I missed out on the last hour. <laughs> I just tuned in. I'm reading through the etherpad now. Hopefully I'll find something. So anybody read any good books lately? I just finished uh, the Airgun book from 1982. Uh, 83, maybe? It's actually pretty good. It's uh, nonfiction. It's all about uh, airguns from that era. So, yeah, though I am looking for some good uh, fiction that I need to augment my books with. I've got a what style uh, Rebels of Rebels on the Air, which is a radio book, and then uh, The Art of Invisibility, but could use some nonfiction. Oh, I can definitely suggest some nonfiction, but what style of nonfiction are you looking at? Sci-fi, fantasy? Sorry, I meant uh, look at some fiction, not some nonfiction. Yeah, but yeah okay. I like sci-fi. Yeah, fiction. yeah I like oh. sci-fi quite a lot. Then I would recommend the Takashi Kovac, Kovac novel. And right, John Stasi's Old Man's War. And Damon. Damon. What was the title? Old Man's War. 
Very good. I'll look that up. Uh, most of my um, reading lately has been just nonfiction, so I need to get back to some good old science fiction. Oh, and uh, Damon. I don't know if you've read Damon or not. I have not. Um, Damon and Freedom. I'll look those up as well. Thanks. They're by the same author. Let me see if I can bring that up. Danielle Suarez, Danielle Suarez has, some has some really good um, sci-fi books. All right, I'll add those to my list. Uh, the last sci-fi I read was uh, some Werner Vinge, uh, Children of the Sky, I believe it was. It was a really good one. That reminds me, Brandon Sanderson has a new uh, sci-fi book out called Skyward. Also well, a really good, book. really good book. I'd like to go back to where uh, the art of invisibility is nonfiction. <laughs> Sir, uh, that hurts, and you are correct. Uh, I've just been reading it a little bit. I know most of what's in it already, but I was curious. It seemed really sensationalized. The front cover has these bright green letters, the world's most famous hacker, blah, 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 blah. Oh, is, uh, is it a Mitnick so, book? Yeah, it is. It sounded uh, but like I it. I think it was worth reading. Okay. Oh, I, I enjoyed um, Kevin Mitnick's um, other work. What was that, Ghost from the Wire? Yeah, talking about his exploits. He's also got The Art of Deception, which is a book on social engineering. Uh, I didn't learn much from that. I already knew most of what was there. But, uh, again, it's one of those things, like, I felt like I had to read it just because it was Mitnick. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think I've read two of his books, but I didn't read any more because he kind of went over the same things. Yeah, he, he does tend to repeat himself. And, and I haven't cracked The Art of Invisibility yet. I've got it on loan from the... Library. I'm currently reading Rebels on the Air, which is a history of uh, broadcast radio. But um, I, I'm going to dig into that one next. Uh, and it appears as if my library has both uh, the Damon series and the Skyward book. Uh, so I'll be. The audiobooks are pretty good. I find I just can't get into audiobooks. I I don't know. I I have trouble paying attention to them. I, I can listen to a podcast just fine, but I lose myself with audiobooks. I lose uh, what place in the book we were on. It takes some practice. I think maybe but the link. I ended up while I was in college. Um, I worked the night shift out of Seven Eleven for like five years, and not much to do there. So audiobooks were a lifesaver. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Uh, my wife sure enjoys them, but I, I just prefer sitting and uh, reading. We started listening to audiobooks back when they had movie rental places that also had a small section for cassette tapes uh, where the uh, uh, mostly murder mysteries were um, abridged a to f about four hours, and we would get them when we were going on a trip and that was basically the only time we listened to them but it kind of led into something that later became a kind of a a thing you did because as they became more available uh, we didn't you know i listened to them. my wife doesn't but uh, she'll only listen to stuff in the car but i listened to uh, an audio book from time to time and then podcasts came up later than that that's really cool. The only audiobook I've ever had on cassette was um was a Bible and I had probably 40 cassettes in this giant plastic book thing. <laughs> it was a mess. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh some uh, most of the ones we got when we were renting them were uh 4 to 6 uh 60 minute tapes and they were just about right for most uh you know trips and uh we would rent I would rent the tapes ahead of time and then copy them 
and then return them, and then I would have them in my collection. And I had uh, I don't know a couple of dozen tapes, and I would read. I would, we didn't listen to them but once, but I would have them for if it took several days that we'd be gone on a trip, and we'd have a couple of three books. But um, then later you got. They came on CDs, and uh, eventually, I guess, I suppose, yeah, I don't know if you can get them on DVDs or not, but I guess they, they were labor on CDs. I've never seen them on DVD, but uh, I do know my local library here does have books on CD, and uh, my wife will occasionally get those if she's not streaming it to her phone and she'll listen to them while she's going down the road. Uh, I did try to listen to a couple of uh, books on CD while going down the road, but again, I found I just I just lost my place in the book. But I think Joe's right. Probably just takes a little practice. Yeah. Well, your first couple of audiobooks, try out books that you've read several times. Yeah, that's good advice. I use mostly uh, podcasts now because there's plenty of podcasts. But, uh, you know, a few years back, uh, I would just uh, use audiobooks. And if I'm working in the garage, uh, raking the yard, washing the car, uh, doing you know, carpentry work or something, I would listen to a book. And if I realized I've been thinking about something so hard that I was ignoring my book, I would just rewind my book a little ways and uh, listen to that section again. It wasn't that big a deal. And uh, for most of the things that were available in the early days were fiction stuff, not important. So it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I definitely use podcasts, especially HPR when I'm mowing the lawn and doing the dishes. Um, but, you know, that's, that only takes about an hour, so I don't know how much of a book I could absorb in that time. I, I do commute every day, so maybe I should uh, try and listen to one on my commute. Yeah, I got two hours worth of driving five days a week, so it's helpful then. But I also do the podcast listening as well, and um, mostly it's because I listen to the audiobooks at 3.25x and that's slowed down for me because I was doing it like 3.8 3.9 and I do the podcasts at um, usually between 2.2 and 2.6x wow my ears might work that fast but my brain doesn't I'm right there yeah, I'm the well you tend to read faster than most people speak right no. No? Okay. I can't make any sense of anything past 1.6x. Uh, once again, it just takes practice. I Mine set at 1.2, and I've never felt like one, any faster made sense for me. Yeah, that's kind of, I'm the opposite of what most of you guys have said. I My ADD will not let me just, like, sit down and read text on a page. And I think part of it is is because my brain wants to go faster than I can actually read to where audiobooks I can just crank up the speed and it just goes in the speed of, that I want it to go and that's and right. I can do it while I'm doing something else, which I, I typically don't have time to sit down and just read for pleasure. So I can do it while I'm exactly. you know, mopping the floor or something. But I do the same thing with podcasts. I just crank it up because it's it's almost painful to listen to podcasts in real time now because I'm just like, Oh my god, get to the point. Yeah. Like, well, stupid question, time. Does increasing the speed increase the pitch? Do they end up sounding like chipmunks? <laughs> no, most um, players have correction for that built right in. Well, that's definitely it's, it, it's, it doesn't sound like the chipmunks. Well, I'll tinker with it a little bit. I find that I can read really fast. I can probably read faster than people can talk, and uh, so and and still absorb everything. That's right. from from years of of just 
hammering through books. So maybe I'll try and, and speed up the speed up a book or, or just try a book on my commute and see what happens. But I like the idea of reading a book or listening to a book that I've read before that way on. Right. So even if you miss a section, you can still pick it up right where you were. Yeah, exactly. The, the way I used to do it with um uh, a book I would keep for commuting, I would have one book in the car and uh, my commute was about 30 minutes. And so I'd do half an hour in the morning, half an hour in the afternoon. And uh, then I would have separately in a player, uh, uh, back then it was a, my, now it's my phone, back then it was a separate MP3 player. And whatever I was listening to that I carried around would be a different book. And, um, the one that went to work would may take longer, but uh, it was the same one every day. It stopped and then restarted, and uh, and it worked just fine for me. So that you might try that. Yeah, that's a terrific idea. I'll have to give all of that a shot. It's it's just a world that I've never really jumped into um, for for various reasons, but uh, always interested in trying new. Yeah, typically what I've I've begun doing is just buying ebooks of everything. Um, and typically it's just whoever has what I want. Um, Amazon, I have to, if I buy something through Amazon, I have to buy it and strip the DRM off of it, which is trivial to do. Um, and then I use a, um, ebook reader on my phone that does text to speech. And as long as you're okay with text to speech voices, um, that's how I do my audiobooks. I, I very rarely buy them. Okay. No, the, uh, text to speech just, There'll be like a word somewhere in the book that gets used repeatedly that's completely pronounced wrong, and it'll just drive me nuts. Oh, I love that. It's Because <laughs> you start to realize, like your brain starts translating this min- mispronunciation to the right thing. It's it's kind of funny. That's a great idea, though. I do read a lot of ebooks. Um, I prefer the Dead Tree versions, uh, but FB Reader on my phone will do text-to-speech. I've got that plug-in, so that's something to experiment with, too. And a lot of good stuff here, guys. Thanks. Yeah, FB Reader is actually what I use. You know that uh, that listening to bad pronunciation and letting your brain fix that is how German turned into English. I thought it was German mispronounced by people who spoke French. Maybe some of that, too. My wife's a linguist, and she's told me the story like a hundred times, and I, I just sort of gloss over at this point. She sounds very smart. You should listen. She is. She's brilliant. Um, once again, my attention <laughs> lacks after a certain point. She probably doesn't just doesn't speak fast enough. That, that's going to be my excuse. Or I'll just tell her that I'm just charmed by her beauty and can't pay attention to what she's saying. And th- that, that'll get me out of it. Oh, that's way better. <laughs> and it might be true. Yeah, yeah, for the most part. That's the story I'm telling. And the reason I thought about that is because I'm listening to a podcast right now, The History of the English Language, and uh, it's just very good. I mean, it's a really interesting story. I just, I, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things that English is so just a mess <laughs> that... um it, it just sort of makes me want to throw away the language and start over with, with something else because it's trying to work with kids who don't speak English and trying to teach them English. You just realize how ridiculous English is. Have you ever well, listened to hardcore history? I have a little bit. Uh, I listened to, uh, uh, I don't know, four or five of them. I have not, but it's been recommended to me like a million times. I just haven't got around to it. I've listened to some of almost everything, uh, at least to give it a try. Right now, I'm doing an astronomy course. Um, I do things that have to do with science of, of different sorts, uh, philosophy from time to time, although not this right now, and then always geeky technical stuff. 
No, I tend to listen to the tech podcasts, but then my books tend to all be um, science fiction and fantasy. Big fan of Jim Butcher and Brandon Sanderson. Oh, a couple of years back, I did a bunch of Jim Butcher stuff. Cool. So, Codex Alera and Dresden Files? Dresden Files. Okay. I enjoyed Codex Alera as well, and then he's got another series that he's only done one book on so far, the Cinder Spire novels. It's not a series then, is it? Well, it's supposed to be a series. He's just only done the first one so far. Waiting for Peace Talks to come out. I did science fiction and stuff when I was uh, a teenager, that and westerns, and uh, uh, in... Over the years, I've gotten to, I don't know, Stephen King and other kinds of fiction. And then now I do more nonfiction. And my when I read a science fiction, I go back and do something like a, an Asimov that I read four times. Right, right. Asimov was okay. Okay? Okay. That, that's about the best I can give it. You know he wrote Star Wars. Mm. Asimov was okay. The Foundation series was a bit long-winded. And it's one of the few things I've read that's of any size that more than... uh, Mostly, I I don't read anything twice. And I've read the Foundation series um, when it was just three books. I had read it twice. And then when the next one came out, I go, oh, crap, i got to read it over again. I started at the beginning and read... uh, and read all of them again, and so uh, I read the the whole thing more than once. The the last couple of books, maybe just twice. <laughs> Somehow, Asimov seemed to make it's me like, f- think about stuff more than uh, than just you know uh, other you know the, the the possibilities that this guy really kind of considered this stuff. Oh. I like a lot of the stuff that has come out of his works, and where his works have led, just most of his books never really captured my attention all that much. Like Tolkien. I enjoyed his first book. Which one was first? The Hobbit. I thought The Hobbit was barely okay, but I kept going and really liked the rest of the series. I've only read it once. My brother has read it multiple times and has the leather-bound volume and um, I think he wishes he had more hair on his toes or something. I, he, but um, I, 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 and I've never watched the movie all the way through any of the movies except the first one. I tried to watch and couldn't watch it all the way through. So, uh, you know, I guess I it carried the fantasy part two thing, but Samwise is okay in my book. Yeah, he was the real hero of the tale. Yeah, I don't know why they talk about Bilbo at all. Probably re- because of the first book. Yeah, I read old books. I um, one I don't read them anymore, but um, I listen to an old. I, I get start digging for uh, Robert Heinlein uh, stuff, and um, my brother used to say before he the books that he wrote before he went crazy but I kind of like some of the ones he went went, uh, after he went crazy Robert Heinlein it sounds familiar Uh, The Moon is a Harsh Mistress um, uh, Stranger in a Strange Land things like that but The Moon is a Harsh Mistress 
is is definitely you know is top of the list. I have to check them out. Okay, Some, you wrote Starship Trooper. Yeah, not highly recommended, but uh, <laughs> but. Um, some of his early robot stuff was kind of kind of interesting. Uh, he was a he was a nudist and an atheist, and um, I think maybe a communist. I'm not quite sure about that. But if you read some of his really early stuff, he kind of worked those things in and um, into his books, so that I, I believe that the average. Um, uh, science fiction reader of today who had never heard of Robert Highland and then just picked one of them up would go, where's this coming from? <laughs> Alright guys, I'll be back on later. I'm going to have to jump off for a little while. Alright, take it easy. Hey, is there anybody on right now that wants to talk a little bit about Linux? Maybe. What do you want to talk about? Hell, I don't know. I've uh, My laptop, I'm using uh, uh, Ubuntu 1604 and uh, with a uh, uh, GNOME desktop, which I like, but they decided to for the standard to dump uh, Unity and went to uh, a version of uh, GNOME for 1804 that doesn't translate that weld in an upgrade when you run the, run the upgrade directly and then the extensions don't work and stuff so I haven't upgraded my my, my laptop that I actually use I haven't upgraded I have uh, put a some I've tried it on a desktop that uh, as a test and didn't like what happened so I was just wondering if anybody uh, was else that had similar problems or had a and, and it's made me want to go out and look at uh, uh, Mate and everything else again, uh, which I had not done for a while. Yeah, I tend to, I've had lots and lots and lots of issues with upgrades with Ubuntu. So I've kind of moved away from most of these. And there's only one computer in my house that uses Ubuntu, and that's the, the gaming computer that my daughter uses downstairs. Um, I've I've gone to, to pretty much rolling on everything, so... You know, like everybody, I'm going to tell you that I use Arch because, you know, you're talking to me, so I have to tell you that I use Arch. Uh, that's, you know, the stereotype at least. Um, just to kind of keep from that, I, I use GNOME most of the time. I either use GNOME or i3 on whatever I'm doing, but, um, the, I think the, the computer downstairs is running 1804, 1810. I can't remember which one. Um, cause I just recently redid it. Um, the, the gnome on there, once you kind of go in and strip everything out that they put in that makes it like Ubuntu-y, um, it's, it's standard gnome and you can, um, go ahead and put extensions in and stuff like normal. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure what the upgrade path would look like. Um, I, I would almost say if you were going to try to upgrade from where you're at, maybe switch to Unity and then do the upgrade. And then see if it breaks. I would just go into it expecting to have to reinstall. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it seems like that is going to be pretty complicated. But uh, to be fair, the 18, uh, kind of series has been really good. I'm, uh, actually kind of surprised with snaps and stuff. I don't feel as restricted as I did before. It's almost kind of like a stable base with a little bit of rolling on top. I don't have any problem with how it works. I, I, like I said, I put it on a desktop and it seems stable and it, it works and you can do things with it. 
I I really don't like the dock and uh, and so I basically took this desk and I built it the way my laptop is that I use all the time and um, put all the added all my extensions in and everything and then I ran the upgrade and it broke everything and uh, and some of the and then I tried another install with where I just didn't you know I did it and some of the extensions don't even work and and that might be why they broke i i might just be depending on what extensions i know there are a few extensions that i use um or used i guess past tense now um that because of i guess gnome shell moving to a, a newer version they never went back and patched it so it just doesn't work in general <laughs> unless i downgraded gnome shell which i'm not going to do um i'm trying to think specifically what some of them were there were a couple a handful, but they were nothing that was like mission critical that I felt like I couldn't, uh, do it. But that's, you know, it, it's just the way the gnome plugin architecture is, it's kind of like the theming thing. It seems like it's kind of a hack and people, if they build for one version, as soon as they update, they have to do something to rebuild it. I've never looked into it, but, uh, there've been several extensions that I've used over time that have just been kind of sunset because somebody didn't take care of it. Yeah. Um, kind of understand that um not to understand what it takes to actually build one of these things but uh um i only use four or five extensions i might i might you know i don't really load it up but uh, like my main thing is to get rid of the i, I do the uh the is it the dash or the dock whatever they call that thing on the side where that those silly icons on the side and I move them to the top of the screen and uh, it's kind of where I like them and so that's been working fine for me for a couple of years and so uh, that's what I like but I can't get the 1804 to do that and so I'm still on 1604 I know that all this stuff works and it, like I said 1804 works and I could I could live with it I suppose but I'm, I'm not in the mood to live with it right now uh, I, I live through you know, 25 years of Windows changing and learning all the new versions every time. And I've got a Linux thing I've, I like the looks of. Oh, let's keep it this way for a while. Then two years later, bam. Yeah, I don't know if you're watching the chat, but Kevin Wisher's um, throwing some stuff in there. And he's talking about for oh, right before Christmas break, they upgraded um, the server that they had from, from 1404 to 1804 uh, with no breakage. That's insane. And completely atypical of what I've ever had with Ubuntu. But to be fair, I don't use it often, so it could have gotten much better since the last time I did it. Well, server is, is you can do that with server. It's, it's desktop that's the deal. Server is fine. You can upgrade server. That kind of breakage is why I've just uh, stuck to Debian and Debian-based distributions lately. I've fallen into Antics and MX Linux uh, because they're a Debian base with some niceties on top. Every time I've tried to upgrade Ubuntu, even Ubuntu server, uh, on any major leap, there's been all sorts. I keep hearing about MX. Like It seems like that's the new hotness. I had no idea it was hot. Uh, I thought it was not very well known, actually. The forums are very quiet, and the release cycle is very slow, and it seems like a hobby project to me, but I find that it just really works quite well. So on my machines that have a little more horsepower, I use MX. Um, and as I understand it, it's just the Mepis repositories with the Antics uh, uh, loading facilities, 
uh, and just those two projects combined. If I have a super low power machine, I just use Antics, so it works really well on low power stuff. Um, there's not a lot of customization you can do. I mean, there's some stuff in the menus, and you can do your own customizations, but it does come with some, um, a lot of opinionated defaults, but I find that the defaults work really well. And the defaults work really well for me in MX as well. But it's interesting that you say that. I didn't realize anybody was using it with any regularity. I thought it was kind of a hobby project. It it seems to like be inhabiting the same space that Solus did, like last year and a little bit the year before, where you just started to hear rumblings about it and then everybody was talking about it. Like I've MX has come up like four or five times just in my world like in the last two weeks which is kind of like oh that's that's some momentum <laughs> for something i'd never heard of before this so I, I it seems like people are catching on to it being a cool thing i I have yet to try it that's uh pretty funny that you mentioned that because i just looked at distro watch and mx is the second uh page hit ranking on distro watch now i've been using mx for a couple of years so that's kind of funny i uh first found out about it through a, a, an amateur radio operator on youtube uh OH8STN, uh, or Survival Tech Nord. He's a guy that builds batteries and does all these portable radios. Uh, and I caught him using Antics and, uh, I installed it on one of my, uh, netbooks and it worked so well. Uh, and then I saw that they had Mepis and I thought, well, or sorry, MX Linux and my other machines have a lot more horsepower. And I thought, well, I might as well install it and try it. And it works really well. That's hilarious. I think that's the first place I heard about it too was from his videos. Yeah, he's got a lot of a lot of good stuff. Uh, that was probably four years ago when he first posted about using Antics. It was, it was pretty interesting to see. You know, I I've gone through this uh, mess of using all these tiling window managers for years and uh, and ricing out my uh, installs. But these days, I just all I need is a terminal full screen. That's pretty much it. And if I got a couple of monitors, I need like five or six terminals open and maybe a web browser and a copy of Emacs, and I'm content. I don't really care what it looks like anymore. Yeah, one of my kind of New Year's resolutions, because I I, I, I operate in two modes with, with my stuff, is either it's GNOME for just basic stuff, or if I want to do any kind of gaming, or a, a lot of just any of the things I want to do that are pretty graphically things, I use GNOME, but the rest of the time I use i3. Um and I am a diehard Emacs user. So I want to try, there's a, a window manager called EXWM, which is basically kind of I3, but your computer uses all Emacs shortcuts. And I'm like, yes, I need this in my life. I tried to use that for a while and it drove me nuts. I can't have my Emacs uh, <clears throat> key bindings anywhere else. I used VI for about 15 years and switched over to Emacs while I was on a Lisp contract and uh, have now gotten Emacs and muscle memory. I found that, um, so my, my tiling window manager of choice back in the day was Ion 3, and uh, I found that I took well to Plan 9 because of Ion 3. It borrowed its key bindings from Acme, the editor, and uh, with that rabbit hole, I was going to say the, the tiling window manager I was using the most here recently is called Notion or not Ion, and I, I got a real kick out of that. Someone resurrected the project, and it was a lot of fun. I do enjoy i3. I use i3 at work, um, but these days it's just a lightweight window manager for me. Um, typically, I'm using uh, like JWM on Antics uh, or XFCE and MX, and I found that when I'm not using a tiling window manager, I just keep going back to XFCE because of how, you know, it's medium weight. Uh, it comes with its own utilities, 
that just generally work and it's fine. Uh, the machines that I built for other folks though, like at a school, I do the IT at sometimes, uh, the kids machines and stuff. We just use GNOME. It works for them. It's pretty, uh, and they have an easy time getting around, but I'm with you. Yeah, that's funny. I, the first thing I do when I set up i3 is, is try to get everything as close to Emacs key bindings as I can, which is kind of hard because a lot of things don't want you to have crazy key bindings. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm the guy that installs plugins in Firefox so I can use Emacs key bindings there. I'm just a little warped, I guess. No, I used to do that sort of thing, but I got tired of dragging around my dot files. So I've just learned to live with the defaults now. Uh, I've switched machines too much. Uh, luckily, the last few years, I've had very uh, stable machines uh, where I've kept the same machine for a long time. But I used to uh, void the warranty far too often and uh, really tired of lugging around a bunch of dot files. Man, you weren't kidding about the popularity of MX. I've been doing some digging here. This is kind of crazy. And Antics has increased in popularity, too. I wonder if it's because they just released uh, 17 of Antics. I don't. I don't know if MX has gone up. Uh, that's that's interesting to see. Uh, just because of, I really thought it was obscure, but you know, it's going to be a double-edged sword. Wide scale adoption means uh, good changes, and then wide scale adoption probably means a lot of dissent. <laughs> you really can't hate something until you get to know it a little bit. <laughs> that's a fine point. I was a uh, a Windows administrator for a uh, server administrator for. A really long time and worked on every version of Windows uh, from 4.0 to uh, 2012. And you just, you know, Windows, they always, every new version came out, they had a few things. They always deliberately moved from one place to another so that you just have to go look for them. And they, uh, besides the desktop, the, the the things that administrators go look for, they also move those as well. And so, yeah, okay, fine. You just gotta get used to them. But with uh, with Linux, you can look at a whole bunch of different distributions and figure out one that's pretty close to what you want, and then maybe you can adjust it a little bit. And that's kind of where I did. I looked at a bunch of different distros. And decided, uh, several years ago that I like, uh, Gnome and, uh, but it took a couple of extensions to get it just right. And then those broke. Damn. Boy, I feel that pain. And, and that's pretty well why I've settled on MX. It's got just about everything I need pre-installed and just a couple of tiny little tweaks and we're up and, uh, and I'm glad we've had this conversation because it appears as if they have, uh, updated to version 18. That means I'm behind. I guess I've got some upgrade. Yeah, you've got to got to kind of keep up. Uh, but and it's not real pain, but it's it's kind of uh, like oh man, I thought I had it just the way I wanted it, and uh, the one that the eighteen oh four works just fine. It's it's really and it does have some new features that uh, I'm trying to get used to. I have a a also a. Uh, uh, an Ubuntu server in 18.04, and I'm using the desktop to do, try things out before I put them on the server. So um, I'm keeping the desktop version, but my laptop, which is my lap, you know, my little my little desktop, is um, is still 16.04. Hey, there's nothing wrong with the older software as long as you keep up to date with uh, security patches. I run a lot of older versions of things, and um, yeah, as long as as long as security updates are there, I see no problem with it. That's one reason why I enjoyed Debian Stable so much was because it was just that stable. Yes, the packages were old, but 
Damn it, they worked. Yeah, and 1604 is not really, really old. It's just, uh, and it is, it's definitely up to date and it's, uh, the LTS and so it's fine. I didn't realize that one was still LTS. That's a good answer. Yeah, I don't see much point in doing the, the odd numbered years and, uh, I, this server, I just built it, so it's 1804. In fact, I, I held off building it for about two months until 1804 came out, uh, so that I wouldn't have to upgrade it just, you know, right off the bat. And then I can keep it for, um, you know, I might keep it four or five years before I change it because it's basically uh, going to be my, uh, uh, my NAS in, it doesn't have to do anything special. <laughs> I, I probably will will put a couple of VMs on it, but uh, it's basically going to be a file server. Just going to stream some uh, things to the laptops and and uh, phones and stuff here in the house. So I don't have to. It doesn't have to be too too smart. All it has to do is uh, continue to work and uh, hit the hard drives. And uh, you can do. It should be able to do that for. For until the hardware is old. Yeah, I know that you mentioned that I need to uh, overhaul my file server. I need to update it and uh, fix the storage. I've been thinking about getting an external RAID, um, but I just haven't spent the time to do it. My, uh, my home network is a bit of a misspent more time focusing on my office network, making sure all my business stuff was put together properly. And uh, my home network's in shambles, especially now that my kid's starting to hack with stuff and plug devices into the network. Uh, it's crazy over here. So I've got to spend some time with my NAS and uh, my local servers and make some of the, make some of the magic happen. Well, this will be my first NAS. I've um, I've got a Windows box that has been, I guess it's it's, it's been my desktop, but it's been, uh, of course, for years. But it's been uh, also the 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 server. So it's you could always map to uh, uh, a share on my Windows box if you want to watch a movie on your phone or or a laptop. Uh, but I decided to move that off to a, a another box, and so I I did a purpose build uh, with some cheap <laughs> some cheap slightly out of date hardware, but with all brand new uh, uh, NAS hard drives, and uh, I'm set them up in ZFS, and because I thought that sounded cool <laughs> from everything I've read, but uh, so I'm I'm trying I'm learning as I go. That's the best way to do it. Um, learning as you go is the best way to learn, in my opinion, uh, next to teaching. Teaching is another way that is uh, terrific for learning. As far as ZFS is concerned, it's rock solid. Uh, I really enjoy ZFS. And uh, just a side note, the FreeBSD project is moving their ZFS in- uh, implementation from the Solaris uh, legacy implementation over to um, Linux ZFS I, I read recently, so that's cool. Uh, how are you planning on sharing all these files with your devices? You said you got phones and laptops. Are you going to just mount some shares, or are you going to use something uh, like like Plex or something like that nature to stream it, or Kodi or whatever the the uh, flavor of the week in media streaming is? I'm just doing shares right now. I've looked at the stuff, and I haven't got Cody to run for me. I've, I've 
uh, I looked at Flex, but I haven't installed it, and uh, I've installed Kodi like over and over and over, and I, it just crashes. I I don't know. I've run it on a couple of different pieces of hardware, and I can't seem to get it to act right. Although, what happened to me, I can't seem to find online that other people have the same kind of problem. So I may be doing something wrong, but for some reason, uh, it, it installs, and then I go in and start configuring it, and at some point. It just goes to hell on me. That's been my experience as well. And I don't, if our memory serves me correctly, Cody is not a server, but it's mostly just a local client. You install it on your media machine and you use that as a dedicated thing to watch your videos. You don't really share it uh, unless you're doing um, DLNA, uh, serving stuff up with DLNA. And if that's the case, I normally just use mini DLNA on the command line and call it good. Uh, I don't like to use Plex. Uh, I have a friend that works there, uh, and everything seems fine, but it's, uh, I just don't like the proprietary nature of it, and I don't really trust the code, even though I know one of the developers. Uh, so I do the same. I just mount shares. I don't have a lot of media, uh, but I typically do NFS mounts. Everything I've got's running Linux, and so, uh, NFS works well enough for that. Could probably do some Samba. Um, and as for as far as sharing to my phone is concerned, uh, again, I use mini DLNA for that and uh, just use a DLNA client on my phone. It's not as pretty as uh, something like Plex, but uh, anyway, uh, I do not think your experiences are uh, abnormal. I think that's that's kind of the uh, way it is with Kodi. you got to get a machine that it works on and uh, get it set up and then just don't touch it. Well, I use... Um... Linux for stuff that I can use Linux for, and I have Windows to fall back on for that. My wife uses only Windows. She has an iPhone, and I have an Android phone. So we have – okay, wait. we got one of everything. So um, I've got the, the Samba shares on here, and you can get it from the Windows box, and uh, you can get it from Linux, and you can get it from the iPhone. And that's so that's probably where it's going. we're going to leave it. We don't – Streaming is kind of cool and putting it on the TV, but right now, for if we want to watch it on the TV, we take a, a laptop and set it next to the TV, plug in a uh, uh, a cable to the uh, uh, the the rec- the receiver and and just play it that way, right? You know, off of the server. Yeah, I think that's a terrific way to go. Um, don't don't uh, fix if it ain't broke. <laughs> I guess if we had a newer TV, we could stream it directly. You know, we could tell the TV to go look at the server, but uh, we don't. Yeah, I'm not sure how that would work unless it had something like Plex built into the television. Um, but all good points. Uh, with that, folks, I'm going to have to drop out here. I've got to get some lunch going. Uh, I'm going to hop back in here shortly, so uh probably be back in about an hour or so. Um, I've tried to add some of our information here in our discussion to the uh, Etherpad. Um, get a little bit more of that done. But with that, it's food time. Uh, talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> oh, great. Enjoy your lunch. Everybody taking a break? Hello? Hello. How's it going? Yeah, it seems that way. Anything interesting going on? Well, you could hear how how it was going. What are you bringing to the table? Uh, <clears throat> right now, not much. I'm looking at this uh, Dell Venue 11 Pro 10.8 inch 7130. Seems like an interesting device. User replaceable M.2 cards. I've brought it up on a couple of different shows, and I was just debating on whether or not I wanted to get one. What's the form factor? Is this like a little made in 
Oh, it's a it's a tablet. Like like a little netbook. No, it's a tablet. Oh, oh, no, a convertible keyboard. tablet. Right. Well, you can put it in a keyboard dock, which has a battery in it, which is kind of cool. But no, the reason I'm looking at it is because you can easily put Linux on it. Here, let me post this link. You can easily put Linux on it and replace the um, Bluetooth and Wi-Fi module and have basically everything work perfectly. What version of Linux would you put on it? Uh, the only thing that seems to work for a tablet is the the old phone uh, version. Uh, no, no, I, I disagree. I have um, three tablets right now that are running Linux Mint, and they're doing it very well. I mean, the other Dell venue that I have doesn't have the user-replaceable M.2, but so the uh, Bluetooth doesn't work, but the Wi-Fi works just fine. Um, none of the ones I have, the camera works, but everything else with tweaking, I mean, I had to write scripts for the screen rotation except for on the T100TA, um, works just fine. Oh, that's interesting. I, I've tried several. Uh, I've got a uh, an HP 360 uh, Ultrabook that you can fold back into a tablet mode, mm-hmm. and the Linux things I tried, none of them were any good because the touchscreen stuff wasn't working. But I, I didn't try Mint. Touchscreen has greatly improved at the kernel level. Um through, uh, what's it called, um, what, from Ubuntu. So basically, all devices, well, most devices should work. I have had no success with um, some of the cheaper Chinese devices. If I get around to putting 1804 Ubuntu on my la- on my laptop, uh, it may work in, in uh, uh, tablet mode then, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I'm like I said, touch screens have come very far in the last couple of years. Well, that's good to know. I, I of course, I never had a, la, uh, a uh, I, I never had touch screen before, but once I got it, and, and with Windows, like it's kind of handy, and uh, only uh, not often, but occasionally you want to use it if you got it, and so uh, it just hasn't worked for me with Linux. Right. Now, a lot of devices will still have uh, problems with suspend and resume. There are scripts that might help, might not, depending on the device. But just for overall usage, yeah, it it's completely there. And that's in the kernel, so I might get, uh, so Ubuntu may work in, uh, yes. as well. Yeah, and there's a lot of write-ups about uh, people using um, Fedora or Arch, I think the one I sense, let me go up to the top on this, because he talks about what he's using. Yeah, Fedora 25 and OpenSUSE uh, Tumbleweed. Well, you know, I like uh, the low-end uh, machines. Uh, I, I Some people can't stand the that they're slower than the high-end uh, processors, you got to have an i7 or an i5 or something. And uh, oh. I had a a, a netbook with an, a, 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 a one-core Atom processor that I used for years and years, um, and it worked just fine. And when Windows would no yeah. longer work on it, I put Linux on it, and it kept working. And, okay, it just takes a little longer to do something, but it still did everything it was supposed to do. And I'm, that's kind of the way I am. So I, I think you might be, you know, that might not be a bad thing if you're kind of like that. 
Yeah. Well, I used to swear by the um, Acer Aspire 1. I loved that uh, netbook and that form factor. And that form factor kind of went away, that size and and the usability of it dropped off significantly when a lot of distros stopped making uh, 32-bit operating systems. So in my search for something that was similar, I landed on the T100TA, which is the Asus Transformer, which does Linux pretty darn well. So You can put a 64-bit on that one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you have to get creative because um, it's 32-bit EFI. But um, you, you can find write-ups on how to make a USB stick that does um, a 32-bit EFI and a 64-bit operating system. Oh, I hate that stuff. Yeah, it's it takes some work, especially, you know, the first couple of times you do it. That, that's good to know. I, uh, I knew that such things existed. My netbook had, you know, a straight 32-bit the processor, so right. there wasn't any fooling around with it. But uh, the um, yeah, if you can do it, I, I'm willing to do stuff like that. Uh, the only problem I had with my netbook was the, the 10 inch screen was a little small. I'd probably go with a 12 inch now, although my my laptop now is a 13 inch and it's just fine. And so I probably will never end up buying another low end box because this one is small enough for most things. So right. Uh, I may never actually buy another small one, but I, I always really like that uh, thing for vacations and for grabbing something to go and just having it with you. And, you know, you'll go in McDonald's and sit down and get on the stock market, whatever you want to do. You right. know? Well, my, my company that I work for has some interesting rules um, in regards to what you're allowed to bring into the office. You're allowed to bring in a tablet, but you're not allowed to bring in a laptop, a personal one anyway. Oh, is it because they don't want you to connect to the network? Uh, something like that. It's um, I don't hook into their network anyway when I'm at work. I just tether my phone. Uh, yeah, when I was working, we had rules like that. Um, that you could br- anything you did bring in uh, if you know you'd have to bring it in, and we we ran some. Somebody would run some kind of stuff, and basically what they did, make sure you had virus software. Uh-huh. Uh, but they still didn't let you hook it on the network. We had a, uh, uh, what we call a green, the green network, which was uh, Wi-Fi that was just basically the Internet. It, it didn't let you hook on in local. It didn't hit, let you cook, connect internally. And um, I'm not sure what happened if you actually plugged an Ethernet cable in. Um, I don't know if it, I don't know what happened. I, I don't know if we had a way to recognize it wasn't one of ours and reject it or not, uh, or if we were just trusting that right. people wouldn't do it. Yeah. Well, work does offer a um, Wi-Fi that you can access if you go through the process of setting up an account on it and everything, and it's separated from everything that work does. The, the thing was is they were um, – Blocking VPNs, and I wanted to use a VPN on everything that I was doing because I'm paranoid. But um, <clears throat> with that blocked, it was just easier for me to, uh, instead of trying to get around it or using um, SSH forwarding for all my Internet traffic, was just to tether my phone. 
I'm okay with uh, not using a VPN if I know the network and the uh, the the guy who runs the firewall. And so I knew who that was, and I knew that she really took a good care of things. <laughs> so I knew that I could run the Wi-Fi. Uh, I knew that the Wi-Fi was 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 not Starbucks. Right. Well, you know. It's not just that, but I was using the VPN. To, oh, my dogs just went nuts. I was using the VPN to, um, you know, make it seem like I was on my home network, so I could do some very specific things on my server, and I wasn't able to do that. Ah, yes, of course. For that though, you you probably like you say you tether your phone, and then you're not you're not on their network. Right. No, but I think I still got a couple of the Spire ones sitting around because you were able to. Thank you. You were able to get them at a really reasonable price there for a while before everybody dropped 32 bit support. And I had gotten it for my kids because they needed Windows devices to be able to do things at school. And yeah, they aged. I think I still have maybe two of them that work, but I really enjoyed having them for years. It sounds like you hang on to old hardware until it's probably doesn't make any sense, like I do. Yeah, yeah, and I also like getting other hardware that other people have given up on and making it do tricks. Uh, a while back, I was gonna, I wanted to build a uh, a router. So rather than do what you're supposed to do and go buy something, I call my brother and say, "Have you got like an old?" PC sitting around somewhere, and he says, "You know, oh, I think there's one up in the attic. Let me let me go look. Grab a couple of nicks, put them in. Uh, PF sense, and you're good to go. Yeah, um, I built a NAS recently, and uh, I built it entirely around two sticks of RAM. Um, I had uh, eight gigabytes of uh, DDR3, and everything is DDR4 now." And so I, I go down to Micro Center and said, "Look, I got to have a motherboard that <laughs> that takes my memory, and uh, a processor that fits that board. And I'm trying to spend uh, no more than about a hundred bucks. Right. And uh, I got out of there for a hundred and ten dollars. And That's cool. Uh, and and uh, I walk uh, into stores and ask for motherboards that have DDR3, and they're like, "Yeah, we don't sell those anymore." Oh no, th- this was. The only one he had, and it was an open box return, uh, and uh, sitting on a on a a clearance rack. Right. Now I'm much more likely to hit up for old hardware. I'm much more likely to hit up something like uh, Facebook Marketplace. And if I can't find it there, I'm probably going to go to eBay. God, I I don't buy much stuff over the internet, but uh, if I can get, I I live in Houston and. I live in Dallas. Usually, well, you know, you can live in a big town. You can usually buy stuff in an actual store, and I, I try to do that. Right. Well, the, the great thing about the the Dallas area is there's two Goodwill for computer parts. So I will also go there for computer parts. And if I really wanted to, I could walk walk in and buy an entire working system for usually about what it's worth. But if it's an older system, then that's not too bad anyway. Well, my. My NAT, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with this box. It's, uh, the processor, it's an AMD processor. It's the first one I've bought in years. And, uh, because that's what the motherboard was. You know, I couldn't tell you. It's, uh, okay. 
It's uh, it says it says eight core and it's okay. Phenom uh, um, X two. It's a thirty eight something maybe. Okay, the I was gonna go with the forty eight series, but yeah, the thirty eight series. It's pretty good. I, I kind of think it's thirty eight. I think I, I figure it's somewhere not too far off from an i five. I might be wrong, but um, it 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 seems to be be uh, it's certainly plenty for a NAS uh, with uh and that I can make a a uh, a VM off of it and and run a router or something like that. I'm not going to do anything heavy duty with it. And uh, my my plan, if I need more memory, is I've got a uh, my experimental box that I use for VMs and for temporary um, bills to test stuff out. It's got 16 gigs of RAM in it, and if necessary, I'll take that 16 and I'll just swap the 8 for the 16 if I ever figure out that the uh, the NAS needs more than 8 gigs of RAM. Yeah. <clears throat> no, still a lot of devices running the DDR3. A lot of stuff runs it, but you can't buy it brand new in the store anymore. Yeah, that's true. But all three of my boxes are are DDR three. I've I've got a uh, an I my 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 play box is a second generation i seven. My real desktop is a fourth generation i seven, and uh, my NAS, which is my new box, has got a processor that's probably four years old. <laughs> that's uh that's that AMD thing. Cool. Now, you know what? Um, I picked up some uh, laptop RAM that was DDR3 at um, Micro Center, and that was recent. Yeah, you can still buy the memory and stuff like that for it. It's just if you buy new motherboards, you're going to get – it's all going to be DDR4 uh, stuff. My laptop's about three years old, I guess. It's no. a it's a sixth-generation uh, Intel. Cool. See what generation mine is. GE seventy two six D. Not there. Chipset HM one seventy sixth gen Intel Core i seven processor. Is that a laptop or a, uh, a a desktop? It's a laptop. Okay, yours is um, the MSI GE seventy two six QD, the Apache Pro. Okay, same generation as mine then. Yeah, I think it's like three years old. Four years old, something like that. Yeah, that's about that's about where mine is. I do a lot more with the desktop stuff than I do with the laptop. The laptop stays turned off most of the time, uh, but uh, that's what I'm using right now to talk on. No, I have um, I have two laptops and a set top box, and then I have my server for anything I need. You know, a bit more stability for. Uh, I mean, I call it a set-top box, but it's actually um, one of the Nook clones from uh, Gigabit, the bricks. Oh, yeah, those are great for for um, basically anything that you need a, a headless system for. Well, I'm actually, I have it hooked up to a couple of TVs, and I use it to access everything else. I call that headless. TV is not a monitor. Okay. It's, oh, my it's, server runs headless. It's not connected to you know anything except the network. I know, but I, when you you connect things to a TV, you're using it for streaming and stuff, and it, that makes it a kind of a uh, an appliance rather than a a 
general purpose computer. So uh, that's in my brain. It's not. It's not saying anything about the the ability of the computer. It's just saying, okay, this is the way it's used, and uh, so it's headless in that you you turn on bring it up but but you you it then runs as a streaming device for oh it looks like a monitor no it's not it's a tv set we're watching movies here right my oldest box here is a uh, it's probably at least 20 years old it's an atx uh tower that has had countless uh or at least uncounted uh motherboards in it over the years, I've no idea how many times it's been uh, upgraded. I don't know what the first. I don't remember if it was a 386 or a 486 that went in at first. Uh, it's had it had it's had many hard drives. Uh, it's been upgraded one piece at a time over and over and over again. It had floppy disk yeah. at one time. You know, it's had. A CD and now it's got a CD DVD and it's, uh, it's had as few as one hard drive, as many as six. Uh, uh, um, right now it's got a single hard drive and, and, uh, DVD and, uh, it's uh, in the last few months it's had, um, an SSD and three or four hard drives so it, it's you know just depends on what i'm doing with it uh sometimes it's a uh, vmware uh, server and and right now it's just a straight linux box it's got two versions of linux dual dual boot on a single on a single hard drive cool no i think my tower is seven years old somewhere in that range i've had it for a long time now I think some of the parts from it came from my previous build, which was also like six or seven years old. How do you say that? Sviva? That's what I was just wondering. Is there savers in Texas? Yeah. You see a couple of savers here and there. That's where I get some of my hardware. Well, there's one nearby here. Um, I'm visiting family right now. And yes, I'm still in Texas. But... um. <clears throat> No, they don't really have much of an electronic selection. Mongo, do you have any savers? I'm not. What are you saying? What's savers? Savers. Yeah, it's a resale. No, not that I know of. Uh, we've got uh, basically two places to get real computer stuff, which is uh, Fry's and uh, Micro Center. No, yeah, those are not resellers. Oh, um, then like I don't, the Goodwill for computer parts. The Goodwill here is a joke. Okay. Um, and I don't know of any other. No, if I'm looking for electronics, I'm probably not going to go to the Savers, but uh, I will go to one of the two Goodwill for computer parts. In, in the Dallas area and check those out. Or the, um, a, a bunch of the different cities north of Dallas have, um, community outreach places that do a lot of resale and you can usually pick something up there for decent prices. Um, a couple of years ago I talked to a guy, uh, I think it was at a, a, a car club a meeting and uh who worked at uh, the uh he was you know a volunteer at the goodwill computer thing and he built 
uh, he, he built computers for them, put Linux on them for them to, to sell, but they never, but I, I think they, they gave them away or something because if you ever went to their store, they actually had nothing but junk. I guess it would be nice to be able to buy used stuff, but, uh, you know, where you could go and see somebody face to face and, and pick it out, but, uh, I've, I've, I've never actually been to a place like that. Now, I do have a closet in my house that's kind of like that. Good evening. Hello. Oh, hello, you can hear me. Hey. Yep. Oh, fantastic. This is the first I've used, the mumble on iOS. I was trying to drag my name into the into the right channel, could not find a way to do it, and then just brain farted and I thought, you know what, if I double click on the thing, that might bring me in. Oh, and here I am. You invented the, the double click. Well, I thought about that, but uh, somebody had beat me to it. Having said that, I'm sure there might be a pattern that I could write for some write for that. Well, it took me 20 minutes to get uh, pushed to uh, talk working. Yeah, I, I'm usually, any time I've been here before, oh, by the way, for people that, that don't know me, I, I don't know I turn up very often, 5150 knows me, so does Ken Fallon. Um, the, uh, you probably heard me on, on the chat before, like years ago, under the name Thistleweb. That's me. Um, I've just sort of rebranded and changed all that kind of stuff. I don't really come here very often, but uh, yeah, usual you know, annual um, annual appearance. Um, yeah, I, I, I usually had it set up with push to talk, but this time round uh, I'm using iOS, um, and it was just a bit awkward. I couldn't could not figure out how to how to drag my name into the right thing. I could just it's more intuitive. I'm just overthinking how to move around in iOS. That's all. I imagine that was it. Uh, I certainly uh, messed around with it for longer than it should have been. It should have taken me this morning. Yeah, a lot of the time, it's just it's it's easy in hindsight once you've figured it out. But uh, yeah, and, until you actually do the thing that you should have been doing all along, it's like yeah, yeah I'll need to remember that. <laughs> You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.